welcome to the Mind Virus Podcast. Did you did you watch the Super Bowl? I did not. I do not I do not know who won. However, I have a prediction to make. Okay. <laughs> Chiefs by three. Taylor Swift. The dude that she's hooked up with. Kelso? Kelsey? Kelsey? Kelch? What's his name? Travis Kelsey. And Joe Biden. The three of them got married during the halftime show. And pretty much nobody cared what happened after that. <laughs> Did I, am I close? Joe Biden, Taylor yeah. Swift, and then this other guy, Kelch. Kelch? Kelch? I still don't remember his name. Kelsey. Kelsey. They got married. Meaning... Okay. This is a polygamous marriage. <laughs> and there was a huge love fest at halftime, and now that's all anybody's talking about. Am I close? Um, uh, kind of. Okay. Kind of. Um, what happened? Should I pull up the, ESPN? Uh, the Chiefs did win. The Chiefs won. Wow, they were underdogs, um, right? Well, yeah, which I I was really surprised about, honestly, and I think I mentioned that last last week when I, when we saw that but um you said chiefs by three chiefs by three was, it, won, good, was they, it a good game chiefs won by three really yeah 25 22 no in, way in overtime no, in overtime it was a good game wow it was a good it had a good ending it was pretty boring for a while just kind of because it's a low scoring game <laughs> it was low scoring both defenses were really good um 49ers definitely had some opportunities that just they just couldn't quite capitalize on but it it was a decent game. Andy, Joe, Andy Reid's still coaching the Chiefs, right? Yeah. Because I had a friend stop by yesterday, just stopped by unannounced, and he was saying something like, yeah, um, I was pleased to see the Chiefs won the Super Bowl a few years back because he's LDS, <laughs> meaning Randy Reid. Andy Reid, yeah. And then I said something about Taylor Swift, and, and there was some like confusion as to whether she was LDS too. She's not LDS. If I understand, uh, she this will right. be soon. Soon, okay. Yeah. After she dies, uh, um, yeah. The Chiefs won. Uh, Andy Reid is still the coach, and a- Andy Reid's a, a likable guy. He has he's LDS. I, I, yeah, and he has ties to BYU. He coached here at the BYU. Um, Fred Warner played at BYU. He's on the Forty ers Yeah. So you had you had local ties on each team. Um, Joe Biden and Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey did not get married at halftime, though. Really? Really. Mm. Yeah. Well, what's all the buzz about, then? <laughs> you know, it's interesting what the buzz is this morning. Um, according to, to my, my little Twitter algorithms, Okay. The, the main thing people are talking about is not the game. Is it Mahomes' girlfriend? I saw something uh, about that. Mahomes has a wife. A wife, you know, okay. You know, Mahomes, I, the Chiefs became rather obnoxious this year, but mainly because of Travis Kelsey and his affiliation with Taylor Swift and Pfizer. You know, just a lot of Kelsey jammed down our throats. Well, but he had a moment in the game. Everyone's sponsored by Pfizer. Right, including uh, <laughs> one of the Super Bowl ads was Pfizer, Pfizer telling us how awesome Pfizer is. Really? But uh, Kelsey did have a moment in the game where he bumped Andy Reid and was screaming at his face like it was interesting I wondered if if maybe the pregame cocaine that Travis Kelsey might have taken was maybe gotten the best of him because he was in a weird he was making weird 
he just seemed like he was having an out-of-body experience or something in the first half of the game. Was he like, uh, what is it, he Operation just, Monarch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, the game was the game. Um, and and I, I like Patrick Mahomes. He has a wife. He's married. And, and uh, you know, they were interviewing him after the game. And he said, you know, all glory to God. And Oh, really? That, that's good. That's a good thing to say. Really? So I so is he like a pretty cool guy? I really know nothing. I, I about don't. These I mean, guys, no. who knows, right? I've never met him. I've never spent any time with him. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of Mahomes in the ads. They like to cut that stuff out. They like to cut out because sometimes you'll see these these athletes will say something like, "I give all the glory to Jesus Christ," or they'll, yeah. they'll kneel down. And then the the media has been really. Um, it's hard to do that at the Super per, Bowl. They've been persistent trying to cut that stuff out the last many years, but. Uh, but this morning on at least my Twitter, you know, take that for what it's worth. My not my personal, you know, not my page, not my feed, but just the the algorithm that I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this morning, people are talking about a commercial um, produced and paid for by the He Gets Us people. Remember them? This is uh, Jesus people. Yeah. So. so I've done some homework this morning, and maybe we'll get into the ad. I'll I'll describe it to you. Okay, but just first, real quick, we don't have to talk about it. But uh, did they usher in a satanic um, ceremony during halftime? Uh, the halftime show was fine. It was I didn't I, I didn't really see anything real blatant in it. It's just Usher. I mean, they had roller skates, which was an impressive. Roller skates are a satanic some, symbol. Some impressive athletic. <laughs> Let me tell you about roller skates. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, they even Usher, who is who's our age, by the way, he was roller skating around the stage. They looked like Tron, or uh, you remember uh, Ben uh, Stiller in Dodgeball when he has like the that uniform on. I think it's Dodgeball. I don't think I ever saw Dodgeball. He. Uh, uh, they they kind of looked like that, and they had Ludacris and um, Alicia Keys. There was there was I don't think what, there was a they had single w- what white was, person. What was what was Ludacris? Show. He was there. He what? helped perform. Is this like who's on first? No, L- Ludacris is a guy. Okay, I've heard of that before. I'm just yeah. kidding. I made He's the a, same joke. Is he a joke. rapper or a singer? Yeah. Okay. He's a rapper type. I believe. I don't think someone tweeted, and, and I hadn't verified this, but they said it's been 14 Super Bowls since there was like a rock halftime show. Oh, it's all been it's like all rap? Been hip-hop and rap mm. since then. but Because all the Super Bowl attendees want to see that? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I just think we've this pendulum has swung to where we, we, we can't have like Americana represented in certain venues which is did, funny did they do the, the black uh yeah, national anthem apparently i didn't see it live but apparently did they, they do did. the official national anthem yeah because you know it's kind of sad that they're attacking that they should attack the pledge which was written by socialist communists pledge of allegiance i'm uh, they being tried. serious they've tried to put they've tried to well, attack that well they should they should just take that out of circulation but nobody ever says anything about that then they attack the the francis scott key National anthem, which is really actually great, especially the second verse, which nobody knows about. Right, you know, standing between your your homes and the war's desolation, and you know, following God and all that stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> well, yeah, they. I don't even remember who. I didn't see. 
I don't think I saw the national anthem. I must have been tweeting or something. I'll just put a note here. To There's a really good article that I've read before from Lou Rockwell, I think, about how the Pledge of Allegiance was written by socialists, communists, and uh, the Bellamy brothers, and um, it's not good. And if you think about it, you know, you don't pledge allegiance to a flag. Right. Right. You don't, fle- you don't pledge allegiance you ple- you, to you, the republic. You pledge your allegiance to God, and then you pledge your allegiance to morality and truth. And Well, you pledge your allegiance to men who represent God. Oh. Right? Oh, I see what this just took a turn. Well, no, I just am correcting you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you give them oh, your oath like you want you sustaining. want you want religion, do you? <laughs> well, I can you want some religion, we can talk there about will be many uh, willing this, to preach to you this Super Bowl ad. Okay, let's talk about that. I just have to say though, uh TBM texted me and said something like this on the podcast. Relative to the podcast, excuse me. Probably um, in the spirit of our invitation to comment around the time that we're doing it. So I feel obligated, even though we're not going to talk about it. He said he's hoping for a discussion on the significance of the foot washing as an ordinance. Well, just spoilers. Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. All right. Waste my thunder, TBM. Really? And I have lots of thunder. Really? So. Really? I, this is unrehearsed, people. So I am not. Okay, remember. Am, you remember. Pretend like Jordan Bruno has been living in a cave for four years. He has weeks. been. Okay. In fact, he converted his front porch to a cave like structure, the bunker door. So people are. People, been, when they come over, approach apprehensively. I've been thinking. The, the man trap. They don't, is, it the, is it the man trap they don't like? I think they it's have to your go through politi- triple doors. I think it's your political poster you have up. That, oh yeah, that scares people away. Really, that candidate that you support every election season. Oh, <laughs> that guy. Speaking of that guy, okay. So remember that he gets us, folks. Okay, he gets us. So I have to try to find. Uh, this they, is an the, ad campaign the, I could probably find on the, YouTube the, for the listeners the last to post few on the years. website. By the way, it's the Mind Virus Show. I'm Jordan Bruno sitting yes. across the table from. Uh, Bobby Flood. It's it's uh, the second month, the twelfth day, the twenty fourth year of the second millennium since our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was on the earth, and you can find us on the web at mindvirus.show, and I will post links to the more important things that we reference. So the He Gets Us campaign, I'll try to find a link to something. Well, there. it's real easy to find a okay. link. Okay. But, and probably be able to find a link to the ad that they ran on the Super Bowl. Oh, if we I, do, we want to post it. Well, you'll you'll be the judge. He gets us. They've been uh, they've been running ads in the last couple of Super Bowls. Is this Jesus? Re- Jesus is your bro stuff. Yeah, and we talked about him. We've talked about him before. And you, if I remember right, and people can fact check us on this. <laughs> They can, but you we won't care. You said something like, uh, it, looks, it seems a little bit wokey, like woke Jesus. I, you know, and, okay. Uh, and I probably said something like, well, I guess we'll see. Oh, okay. Well, they let us see. Oh, yeah? So they ran an ad. Okay. And first of all, when the ad first came on, I said, this looks AI generated. And I think it might have been. The ad was AI generated? It, it just has that, 
that look to it, you know, that art style. That way they could pay all their money to the Super Bowl people right, right. rather than anyone producing the ad. But the ad, um, I mean, you, you, do you want to watch it live and react? Sure, why not? All Let's right, do a right Jordan here. Bruno reaction. Okay. And I've only seen it the we'll once. Do a Jordan Bruno reaction video without the pictures. And I had to, my initial reaction was, are you kidding me? But we were surrounded bleep, by friends bleep, and family. And, bleep, bleep, bleep. and I think I said something like, I don't know if I like that. Okay, so now, <laughs> now I'm biased about how I'm going to react. Okay, all right. Because I usually follow, take, follow the lead of Bobby Flood. You can just hit play on that. Okay, and, is it going to play loud? I don't, I don't know. Okay, this is a minute long. I'm seeing various people washing each other's feet. And it looks AI generated, doesn't it? Kind of looks AI. Very emotional music. Yep. Emotional music, he says. I get that, you know, heart cell going. Little heart cell, yeah. Oh, Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. He gets us. All of us. Jesus. Okay, we're going right. to get DMCA'd for... Uh, I hope so. So, uh, who is it? That's In Excess? Never oh, Tear uh, Us Apart? I don't know. That's a cover. I don't know. I know they did, they did that song, at least in some iteration. I'm not sure if they were the originators They wouldn't or not. have use the NXS version, aren't they, white? Well, that wasn't the, um, <laughs> that so, wasn't the NXS th version. And then this morning, you know... NXS or, is pretty snazzy. When they, when they tw then they tweeted out this. This is the He Gets Us tweet. They said, Jesus washed the feet of his friends and enemies. And people in the comments are pointing out that, no, he didn't. Is that what it said? He washed his, the feet of his friends and enemies? I don't know if it says that in the ad, but it's what they, it... they said on Twitter. Oh, okay. And people in the, in the comments are, are reminding these folks at He Gets Us that, no, he didn't wash the feet of his enemies. Okay, he that's true. He washed the feet of his disciples. Yeah, this is Last Supper stuff. This yeah. is the private, this is a very private inner circle ordinance. Right. Now, there's a scene I mentioned, um, I think the other day I mentioned that I watched that um, Jesus Revolution movie with Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, and then the Jesus from The Chosen. Yeah, he plays the um, the hippie preacher um, mm -hmm. whose name was Lonnie. Oh man, I can't remember his last name. Based on true story, but there's a scene in in that film which I thought was nice, um, and I don't know if it's if it really happened or not in the real world no. <laughs> or the simulation we call the real world. <laughs> but there's a scene where these hippies are showing up at this church, which was heretofore a... Wait, heretofore means the, uh, from here on into the future, right? Not past. Uh, these, these hippies, anyway, these hippies show up at this conservative church, right? That Kelsey Grammer, he plays the preacher named Chuck Smith. 
by the way, <laughs> it is never tear us apart in excess. That's they originated it. But uh, Chuck Smith, huh? Yeah, is the preacher is the real guy. That's the name of the preacher. Yeah, like nobody would ever have that name. Nobody would. Okay, but it's such uh, a generic name. But uh, in this scene, so the hippies show up, and some of the conservative members of the ward—not the ward, the congregation. <laughs> it's just my my lingual cultural Freud. conditioning coming Freud, out. Freud. The condition. Uh, some of the traditional or conservative members of the congregation they they come to Chuck, Pastor Chuck, privately and say some of these you know these people are weird, and and this is the. 60s, right? And then there was that cultural divide between the hippies and everybody else. And, you know, the hippies are all long haired, beardies. And, uh, uh, and they're, they're like, they're, they, they're not even wearing shoes. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Smith says something like, no, no, they're not. And so the scene cuts to, um, you know, the next Sunday and some of the, some of the traditionalists are, are approaching the church, and there's a line, and they're like, what is going on here? <laughs> and Pastor Chuck is washing the feet of all these hippies, as they, so their feet aren't so dirty when they walk into the church. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, well, that, that's a nice scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might have been a better depiction of foot washing as service than what we got here. Mm-hmm. So tell me your impressions of the ad. Um, lest there be too much dead air, I want to think about it for a minute, but, uh, the, the twit, the Twitter people, all the Twitters are a little birds out there. They're correct. The, the Lord never did wash the feet of his enemies. At least it's not recorded in the scriptures. And the reason it's done in the last supper setting ceremonially is, uh, I think quite significant as relates to the level of progression that the that his students had um, ascended to in their eternal existence, if that makes sense. I'll refer you back to episode ninety-two, cosmology. Um, the The idea is that This probably isn't your first rodeo, right? Whoever you, whoever you are, you've been around for a long time. And this world was taken over by evil people, and therefore it's a war world, and it's not the way things are supposed to be. Um, now we get this sort of a caricature of, of what a regular terrestrial world would be like in the Garden of Eden scene, right? You know, you're just wandering around and and... Adam and Eve are petting animals and there is no death, but and everything's just perfect. But the point I've tried to make is that there is, there have been worlds without end before this one, and there have been experiences that we've gone through that have brought us all to this point. And then this world, essentially because of evil actions by evil people, was caused to be cut off from the heavens, and therefore it's not a in a living state, you know, it's in this depraved, fallen, dark state, right? And so, uh, it, 
It, I, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, but <laughs> all of the images in this spot were shot by international fine art photographer Julia Fullerton, Fullerton Batten. So they were not AI generated, but they they look AI generated. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty stylish. But but my point, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say, you know, just here being put on the spot, is that. The, the disciples of the Lord were sent from a high place from the heavens before this world. Okay? Again, you've got to imagine the cosmology that I laid out, that there's a celestial world, which means literally heavens from Latin. And then there's a terrestrial world, which in Latin means earth. And then there's a telestial world, and if you've been to the LDS temple, they make it very clear. I shouldn't have to give a lot of um, explanation, but I do because there's a conflict in the LDS world between the correlated materials, the, the plan of salvation lesson that you'll give as a missionary or that you hear in Sunday or in seminary school. They say that, I said that backwards, that you'll, either, that you'll hear in Sunday school or at seminary. There's a difference between that general idea, which is essentially that after you die, you go into a holding place called either spirit paradise or spirit prison, and then you're judged, and then you go to one of three kingdoms, terrestrial, sorry, telestial, terrestrial, or celestial, each of which is a kingdom of glory. You'll go to either one of those as your prize, and then it's over, okay? Unless you make it to the very top of the celestial kingdom, and those people can keep progressing. So. Am I doing it any justice here early in this early this morning? I don't know. You be the judge. But the point is that's the that's the general layout, cosmological layout, uh, narrative layout that the LDS, which our audience is predominantly LDS, so we talk in a lot of those terms. But that's that's generally the layout that we've set forth: is that you die, you get judged, and you go to either one of three kingdoms. The Telestial, the furthest down, the middle kingdom, the terrestrial, or the celestial. Well, again, in Latin, celestial means heavens, terrestrial means earth, and telestial, telos, is related to words like television, telephoto, telephone. It means the furthest away or the utmost end. It can mean the end of a person's progression, but in the case of the kingdoms of glory, it means the furthest down, the furthest away from God. That's where we are right now. That's the big misunderstanding that most members of the LDS church have because of the correlation movement. But contradictingly, if you go to the temple, when Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden, it says they enter the lone and dreary world, which is the telestial kingdom, the world in which we now live. So you have a huge conundrum there, and most people don't get it. For some reason, it's the correlated Sunday school stuff that sticks. So again, I can't emphasize to the listeners of podcast. I can only plead with you in a pleading voice to realize how extremely important this conflict in people's minds is. The fact that they don't even see it, they don't understand it. They, most LDS think, hey, I don't want to go to the telestial kingdom. That would suck. <laughs> it does kind of suck. A lot of people here think it sucks. <laughs> okay. And so... Um, what does this all have to do with washing of the feet? Well, the point is that you came from one of those three places. You came down. The world fell. It's always an up-down symbolism in the more correct cosmology. It's the heavens above, the earth in the middle, and then the furthest away, the fallen earth down below. So terra in the middle, terrestrial. Okay, that's, 
That's Zion. That's uh, the central point, the golden city, the place that comes down out of the heavens, the place where Enoch and his people were brought back up to. If you can just understand the up-down nature of this, the symbolism, it makes sense. Jesus came down from up on high. He condescended. He came down with others. He condescended. He, he, even in the modern sense of the word condescend, he debased his incredibly high-level, glorious, celestial being to come here into death, darkness, destruction, loss of memory, whatever. Fortunately, he's God, and he set the situation right so that the rest of us can escape. But again, if this isn't making sense to you, please go back and listen to the podcast we did uh, on Cosmology 92. I'll put a link to it on the website. But the point is, again, that you came from somewhere above here before falling, just like the rest of us, and you were going through some sort of an experience before you came here, and you got to figure out, you, you need to, I would think you would need to remember, you know, you, you would want to remember. That's part of the, the booby trap of this world is that you've lost your memory. And um, it's important for us to try to at least get an inkling that we're better than this. And everybody should be better than this. But, but some people... Are, uh, came from a very high place. The disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, his students, that's what disciple means, mathetes in Greek. It means student. They considered him their master teacher, and they were his students. And they, they studied. He taught. He restored knowledge. He restored memory to them. And so the washing of the feet ceremony, I think, Mr. TBM, had something to do with a recognition that they came from the high place, the, the more pure place than the, the undefiled terrestrial world. The, the feet are always a symbol of, not okay, not always, but in ancient symbolism, like in the Egyptian uh, temples, you'll see, these, you'll see these figures. They're either posed with their feet together or their feet apart, as if they're walking, right? You have the cryptic statements in, I think it's Isaiah chapter 52, it's in the Abinadi episode, which is Mosiah chapter 12 and 13 and 14, where the question is asked, what does it mean how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those proclaiming peace, right? You get those cryptic statements. It has to do with progression. And so the feet in, if the, feet in the ancient world, that was... That was uh, You know, your feet got really dirty, right? You're wearing sandals. And so it was uh, customary that you would wash your feet upon entering someone's house, right? Am I getting that right? Well, it, was, it was done once in a while, and usually it would be done by a servant. And so two things are happening. One is that Jesus is demonstrating that he serves his creation, Right? And he serves those for whom he performs the functional role of guide or psychagogue, psychagogos, okay? uh, Scholars call this his psychagogical function. Um, He is the guide of an, an, an individual through the cosmos from wherever they're at to the highest levels. In John chapter 14, he, uh, the word is used, uh, the word that is used is paraclete. He says, I will come to you. I will comfort you. I will not leave you comfortless. 
uh, I will not leave you orf- or orphaned is the way orphanus is what it is in Greek. I will not leave you orphaned. I will come to you and I will comfort you. I will. I, he's essentially saying, "Hey, I'm going to go, but I'm going to come back." And um, so, number one, the washing of the feet is to show that he serves his those who are linked to him. And then number two, if the Lord washes your feet, they're better than clean. Okay, this is in my opinion, evidence that these people are from a high place, meaning they came not from the terrestrial worlds, but from the celestial kingdom down with him to perform their roles in creation. And we see people like John and Paul and James, the brother of the Lord. We don't know much about James, the brother of John, who was um, famous because of the Peter and James and John trio. But uh, James, the brother of the Lord, and John, the beloved, and Paul, and Peter, and the other disciples, the the foremost famous, though, being Peter, John, James, and Paul. And uh, they essentially, after the Lord left, did a great work to try to help people to change their hearts and minds and recognize what was going on and be better, uh, you know, embrace their higher selves, embrace their their true um, reality which is not the false reality we're caught up in, the simulation, you called it, that we're living in. But anyway, I think the washing of the feet, if not, to sh- not just to show that Jesus is willing to serve those who are his and pretty much everybody, but it's also demonstrating to those few that, to whom he gave the, uh, the to whose, fe- whose feet he washed that... Um, they are accepted into those heavens again. He accepts them back. He forgives their sins. He makes them pure. And like um, uh, when Peter says, well, Lord, I should be washing your feet, right? Isn't that how it goes? He's mm-hmm. like, no, don't, don't, you, don't wash my feet. That's the, I was, that's, touching people's feet was gross, right? When they got all this crap on them, that was considered to be unclean by uh, these ancient societies. Uh, if, you, if you take your shoe off and hold it up at somebody, brandish it at somebody in the area of the Levant, that's the Middle East today. People, you know, that's a sign of, that's, that's worse than flipping the bird at them, you know. In some places, you shouldn't sit with your legs crossed, pointing the sole of your foot at somebody. You definitely don't want to hit touch your shoe on somebody or hit people with shoes. You remember when Saddam was deposed, Saddam Hussein, and they beat him with their shoes? I mean, this, this is a very, very um, nasty symbol, right? So for, for the Lord to be washing Peter's feet was a big, big deal. And again, it wasn't just to show he was their, uh, in their service, the servant of all. He was purifying them. Not, I mean, if you, you can wash somebody else's feet, that's great. And you can say, this is what Jesus did. But if God washes your feet, you can walk where he walks, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I getting through to the li- listeners here? This, the, I can't answer that. By, yeah. fall, <laughs> by falling into this world, we are all defiled. That's the problem. That's why we need a Savior. But when the Lord washes your feet, when he washes the feet of his students, oh, wow. Just like Peter said, clean, not my feet, but, but all of me. Clean every whit, right? So, uh, certain cultures have done this ceremonially. You have in the LDS culture, um, 
ordinances called initiatory ordinances of washing and anointing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then this is also done in a second anointing. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to talk about that under any circumstances, according to the manual. Let me <laughs> read you something that a friend of ours sent in about the, wa- the washing of the feet and talking about subjects like this. Here's what they say. Caution, exercise caution while discussing the doctrine of having our calling and election made sure. Avoid speculation. Use only sources given here in the student manual. Given here and in the student manual. And do not attempt in any way to discuss or answer questions about the ordinance of the second anointing. This is from the institute manual. Right. <laughs> this is a, there is no such thing right. as the second anointing. We shall not say its name. So, so you're saying that that was long. Thank you for being patient, Mister. What what you're saying, if I'm understanding you right, is that the the washing of the feet is is a symbolism of every modern left wing ideological political point, right? (laughs) Am I getting? Am I following you? The, the commercial, to put it into my own words, the commercial that we witnessed was them co-opting something very sacred. Okay, now, the, on one level, they've got a point. You know, the Lord washed the feet of uh, his disciples mm-hmm. to show that he was our servant. And on one level, on a, if, if we want to take all the wokeness out of it, if we're going to be really innocent about it, then... They're trying to say, hey, um, let's be peacemakers, let's serve each other, which is a good message. But the problem is, remember, we were told during COVID that wearing a mask was Mm Christ-like. And nothing, and I'm only going to stop at that one example, because there are plentiful examples of how terrible the messaging has been twisted against us. Another one, we need to disagree more respectfully, right? Disagree better. By the way... Quick side note on the disagree better front. I should never have opened up the can of worms. Uh, I've been blocked by Spencer Cox (laughs) on Twitter. (laughs) No way. Yeah. I guess disagree better or whatever, dude. Or just just block each other's numbers. I've been Cox blocked. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what I said. Uh, I don't even know what tweet did it. Because I've been going after him for a few years years. now. I could still view his government account. I think the problem is they don't... on his personal account. Oh, okay. So if you... Is the problem that if if he doesn't block you, that other people might see your replies in his tweets? I I don't know. Maybe. What What, is is X called the tweets now? Is it still called a tweet? Yeah, I don't know. A post, an X... I don't, I still call them tweets. Yeah, I don't know if they can escape being Twitter. Um, that oh geez, uh, symbolism. Uh, Meanwhile, hypocrisy. Uh, Cox is engaging and, and cheerleading and, and spearheading a Maoist struggle session here in the state against somebody. And I don't know if we need to get into all that, but disagree better is is a mamby pamby way of saying shut up, be quiet. Yeah. <clears throat> so. So anyway, my point was that everything's been saturated with a certain orthodox, well, the, the orthodox side, the, the, this idea that you need to go, come to their orthodoxy, their accepted reality 
of wokeness, which includes the what the 17 UN Sustainable Agenda Goals that Aaron Sherinian is right uh, so hell bent on promoting, um, and the church by extension therefore is bent on oh, promoting the, the, them. The church this week tweeted two tweets uh, on the subject celebrating their quote close relationship with the un over the last 10 years it's much like the pharisees at the time of christ the point is we know what's good and we've published what's good and therefore if you don't do what we say you're not good because you're not doing the things that show that you're good to men and so so i just want to say on the washing of the feet thing it's if that's it looks like that's what it is because the imagery was essentially uh, women living together. Were there any trans people in there? Can we well, tell? There, Even we had protesters washing each other's yeah, they, feet. We've been talking the last few weeks. We've we talked a lot we about. We had a lot of. We've been talking a lot about messaging, right? And and the message of this, like, well, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. How many pictures did they put in there's there? There's a few pictures, and you know, you've got a cop washing the feet of a black guy. Well, that's Black um, Lives Matters, right? And and the and the scene is kind of a back alley. Looks a little bit. Is there a dumpster? Rough. Is the yeah, dumpster on like, fire? It looks like there's a dumpster, but is it's the not dumpster on fire. Dumpster on fire because <laughs> you've got you've got um, some what look like high school kids, or at least it looks like a high school. They look a little older than high school kids, but and and I don't know. Maybe this is a trans one. It's kind of hard to tell what what the circumstances are here. But it's a blonde girl, uh, traditionally looking. Blonde girl washing some uh, more, you call her hip or? Yeah, I don't know. It's really short hair girl. Again, maybe that's it's a transition one. I, I don't know. And, she and, still looks like a girl. And then you've got. She's a very nice looking girl. You've got um, like a native guy washing the feet of maybe his wife out in the desert. I'm not quite sure what that one's trying to portray as far necessarily. Then they get really they get really over the top here. Like this one is one that's causing a bit of controversy, right? You've got the family planning clinic with some impotent protesters in the background and a, a young girl having her feet washed either before or after an, an abortion an abortion is what's implied. And again, this is a very controversial uh, idea here that we should condone uh abortion. Well, can't the, we as in Christians? This is a lot of the idea that well, Christians, you need to stick with your message, which is, can't we all just get along? Yeah, like they want they want to tell you what your what your religion believes, and therefore you must do it. And so you can't stand up against injustice, is what there's is is kind of what the message is. Stop, stop, uh, stop protesting what's going on and just start loving and somehow yeah. it will all go away. Well, speaking of stop protesting, here's you've got what I guess is a, an oil worker. He's kind of a uh, rough-looking guy washing the feet of a Native American protester yeah. out see. in the oil fields. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she's dropped her sign that says, Clean Air Now. Of course, she's, you know... What, what you really have depicted here is... They picked the hot all of topics, these right? Hot topic victim classes having their feet washed by the hateful, the, the traditionally hateful, bigoted people like the oil worker or the cop 
or uh, the straight so guy. So this is, it appears this is I, this is aimed at people this who one. already like Jesus, right? <laughs> this, this is aimed at people that that are into Jesus. So I, it's the South. I don't the know evangelical who, left. I, I don't know who their audience is with this because I don't know. Well, that, it's Christian. It, the audience has to be Christian, right? Yeah, because but it's if, it's it's either to tell traditional Christians it's a big big middle finger middle finger to traditional Christians saying stop protesting and start washing their feet or it's and and or it's a um hey this is what you know this we're 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 put pouring honey in the ear of the left Christians the leftist progressive Christians the progmos Mm -hmm. this one this one's pretty funny it's it's got a bus in the suburban neighborhood and migrants are getting off the bus and we're just supposed to like house them in our houses, I guess, which is a, a big thing right now. And it's <laughs> like, so okay. so- soccer mom there, this is your Relief Society president washing a migrants. Yeah. And seat. she's standing there all empowered and proud, staring right at the camera, the, the migrant. Uh, it goes on. You've got um, someone washing the feet of a Muslim woman. You've got some pro- college campus protesters. This one I laughed out loud because I don't care who you are, no men in that age demographic especially are going to be sitting there playing footsies in a tub. Black guy, white guy. (laughs) With one foot each in a metal tub. And the other guy's touching him. That's just not... (laughs) Anyway. So So play play it through. Does it say, wash the feet of your... Jesus washes enemies' feet? Well, they say it. And on this one, this one has gotten a lot of controversy. You have the priest watching the feet of the flamboyantly gay black guy. And that's, Are you sure it's not a woman that's a, turned yeah, to a man? Pretty sure. But I have no idea anymore, right? But the, again... The roller, the, oh, the roller skates. Oh, yeah, there's some roller skates. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Mm. And, uh, and then Jesus didn't teach hate. Well, that's not according to the people that killed him. Well, go through it. Just make sure, let's make sure it doesn't say enemy. Um, he washed feet. Jesus didn't teach hate. He gets us, all of us. Okay, yes, yeah, so it doesn't say he washes his feet. Love your neighbor. He, so, they say that, they say that uh, here in the print, of, you know, the article. Now, you know that the hate, hate speech is a code word. They've worked really hard. To make the and this this happened back you know fifteen twenty years ago probably between nineteen ninety five and two thousand ten ish there was a huge push to try to show that homosexuals were being mistreated right? right and they decided that they needed to pass laws that if you committed a crime against somebody like that it was worse than a regular crime mm-hmm. murdering somebody who's gay is worse than murdering somebody who's straight it's on the books right. You can get punished worse, punished harder for doing that. And it was defined as hate speech. Right. Okay. And so then there were a bunch of groups that jumped onto that bandwagon that ended up protected, right? The laws have been modified so that there is a legal definition of hate speech. And so everybody wants to get into that legal... um, framework into that legal category so that crimes against them will be more heinous than crimes against other people, right? Regular people. And that's what's defined as hate speech. So when you see somebody talking about hate, that has not only a legal definition, but a very um, 
well-established for the last 20 years psychological societal definition. It means the protected classes. And what, what hate gets used um, to define in the, you know, the, the corporate legacy media world, which is our, you know, the, the biggest, well, at least the most flush with cash monetarily successful news organizations, the old ones, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, you know, CNN, MSNBC, all these, all these big media conglomerates. And then the, the Hollywood studios, the way it's defined there is whatever they're pushing. So you can't go after their protected classes. They, have, they get a little bit looser boundaries around the term hate. They, um, so that it changes, right? Their orthodoxy changes as the because well, the climate you can't hate the the earth right this. you can't climate kind of gets lumped into that and it's okay to hate on the oil companies but you can't hate people who hate the oil companies right all, all of this is just kind of mechanisms for uh, central planners and central controllers to usher in uh, communism marxism tyranny tyranny that's really yeah. all it is uh, like uh, all of this, this, this ad, you know, they're clever, right? They, they, they use Jesus to cloak all of these divisive left-wing policies and ideas, and they say, well, G- Jesus supported these things. So Christians, if you don't, you obviously aren't an actual Christian, right? Mer- wearing masks is Christ-like. Getting the vaccine is our duty as a good global citizen. Yeah. The Lord. Right, on the contrary to this idea that you've that you've demonstrated they want us to adopt, which is I think accurate. To the contrary, Jesus pissed them off so much that they killed him. He was extremely divisive. Extremely well, divisive that they crucified him. I think he was so powerful he gave up the ghost. Is right. the way it's but said. They, but they they killed. But him. they put him on the cross. But. And, and who he, was it that put him on the cross? Not the Romans. It was the Jews. It was the establishment. The, the local establishment. The local church authorities. It was his local leaders. <laughs> and and it, it was extremely divisive. Uh, I watched a... Uh, I should have done some homework before I no, started. Not allowed to do homework no, no, before bef- we do these impromptu this. Before I started this TV show, I, oh, okay. I watched a show on Netflix called Messiah. And oh, what's it about? <laughs> it's about a guy from Syria okay. who shows up on the scene. It's modern times, but it's, uh, you know. So, so Is he, this a, one of those cult expose type of things? No, no. It was a dr- drama. Oh, it's a drama. Okay. And he, uh, he shows up in Syria during the, kind of the Syrian so civil it was, war. It was fictional. Yeah, yeah. And he, he starts working miracles. He leads a group of refugees to the Israeli border, and he's arrested by the Israelis. He escapes their custody and turns up in Texas. Really? And kind of goes from there. And at first I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But I, I, I kept watching, and I got more and more interested because I really wanted to see where they were going to go with it. Like, okay. what, what's the messaging here? Yeah. And this guy, he's how, this— How long is it? It's got like 10 episodes. Okay. And uh, there's two things. Well, it really starts to heat up and gets interesting, and, and 
and there's some miracles and 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 the whole idea the whole world basically is saying is this guy real is he a hoaxer you have people following him uh you have people who are sick you know d- asking to be healed and and mm-hmm. all this stuff going on it's very controversial and uh at, at one point he meets privately with the president of the United States the president of the United States asked for a like secret meeting so he meets with him it's just him and Al Masi, that's what they call him, the Messiah, this guy. So it's just the president and this this guy and no secret service and nobody. It's one on one and the president's kinda like, What do you want? And and you're causing a lot of trouble and what's going on? And and uh, the Messiah character says, Do you not call yourself a latter day saint? <laughs> and the president says, I do. <laughs> And, he, and then he says, are these not then the latter days? I believe they are. <laughs> Do you not believe that one mighty and strong will come and set the world right? Yes. Do you believe God still talks to people? Yes, I do. God is speaking to you now, Mr. President. <laughs> and I started laughing. I was like, great, this is cool. And, I, and, and what this really- This is on Netflix, by the way. Yeah. And uh, what really st- stuck out to me was he mentions the one mighty and strong, which is verboten. We, we don't talk about that as Latter-day Saints. In yeah. fact, I did a search on the, <clears throat> on the Gospel Library app yeah. <clears throat> for the phrase, one mighty and strong, and I found, and, and I uh, looked for General Conference. Okay. And in the last 50 years, there's one. One result came up. Mm. Now, I realize the search isn't always that great on that app, but so if there's others out there that want to take up the cause, go ahead. But it was a 1973 general conference talk by Mark E. Peterson, which he dismisses the whole idea. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the series was really starting to heat up, and I was pretty interested, even staying up a little too late watching it. And then season one ended, and I went up to, you know, I, I, I'm like, well, let's just, I'll just, maybe take a glimpse. This was late at night. I'm like, oh, let's just see what season two looks like. And there was no season two. In fact, this show was canceled four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So we were all left hanging, you know, just as it was getting interesting. But it, it, uh, it got me, you know, it's, it's relevant because this figure was divisive and, and, and different religions were trying to claim him, different religion were trying to take advantage of him. Some were dismissing him, denouncing him. And that's what happened. You know, it, it's a very obvious, you know, Jesus symbolism in mm-hmm. this in this show. This is what happened at the time of Christ. And I never kind of I, I never quite figured out if the show makers were what their what their overall point was or what they were trying to convey because they didn't get a chance to. But Jesus was divisive. And the doctrine of Christ is divisive. He says, forsake your sins, forsake the world, and come follow me. And that involves repentance, right? This, as I look at the He Gets Us page, right, it's, it's just Jesus is your bro, right? He, he's cool with everybody. He loves everybody. Everybody's welcome. And, and yeah, that's true, but there were conditions involved. The primary among them was repent, right? Change. Metanoia. We've talked about it right, over right. and over for years on this podcast. 
And that's not to say that you can't turn your life toward Christ. But at some point, if you're going to do that, it requires change. And uh, that's what's lacking from this modern Christianity. You even see that in, in churches, this, this sort of Jesus loves you just the way you are. There was a, a couple years ago, there was a BYU women's conference, right, where Sharon Eubank brought somebody up on stage, who, a woman up on stage, and she said, I'm queer. This is a quote. I'm queer, and I'm perfect the way I am. <laughs> it's like, well, wait a second. None of us are perfect the way we are. For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been since the fall of Adam. Right, and will be, until unless... He, until he yields, he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and puts off the natural man and becomes a saint. In other words, until he repents. Well, it's not just about repentance. You have to be purified by the heavens. The, the feet right. have to be washed. Right. Okay, so there's, there's more to it, but it starts with repentance. Actually, it starts with faith, which I would define as correct belief. Problem is we have a bunch of unbelief going on or false belief in the world right now, which dominates our world. Hence, our world is in massive turmoil and chaos. See, and it's, it's on the brink of destruction. See, this is, this is, this is uh, at the He Gets Us webpage. How did the story of a man who taught and practiced unconditional love become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? <laughs> well, wait a minute. The people who believe Jesus and who call themselves Christians don't associate Jesus with hatred and oppression. So where are they getting this? Well, it's the people who don't like what he taught. It's the people who say, no, we don't really need to Well, they want to use the, to change the atrocities lives. committed by institutional churches like the Catholic Orthodoxy, you know, <clears throat> the, Maybe. the abuses we see in the Catholic Church, and then... Like we've seen the abuses popping up in the Mormon church. Anytime you get centralized authority like that, and the focus becomes the authority, well, it becomes clear pretty quick that they're corrupt. And so you can't say, just because they claim the name of Jesus, that doesn't mean Jesus is bad. Right. Many have relegated Jesus from the world's greatest love story to just another tactic used to intensify our deep cultural divisions. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing, mm -hmm. he gets us. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you for admitting it. <laughs> but I, I, I take a little bit of objection because they use this term a lot. Like, Jesus is the world's greatest love story. I don't necessarily... Jesus and Mary? Did they mention Mary Magdalene? No, oh, okay. not yet. <laughs> I haven't gone through everything. But I don't really, I don't really agree with that framing. No, um, it's all wrong. It's, it's all wrong. It's yeah. No, so I see, okay, so I can see now why TBM wanted to talk about washing the feet. So this is this is big. Yeah, you get you get a bunch of political statements during the Super Bowl in certain ways. Well, there you get them in subtle ways like the ads, the ads uh depict you know, minorities in empowering positions over whites. And sometimes it's done deliberately or blatantly. Sometimes it's it's more uh, comical, right? The white adult male doing stupid things while the minorities look on with confusion or whatever, right? And, well, that's just become the style right. in the last 10 years. I mean, yeah, apparently 
the regional bank that I use mostly serves minorities because they're <laughs> I'm not represented in their advertising. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. And it's so every time I log in, I'm reminded that I'm not part of that because it's persistent. You right. know, they're not they're not being proportionate or equal. They're not giving the the white male any real time. They're giving having, them the they're giving yeah. the time. They give them the the place as the the comic relief or the dummy or the having whoever. having worked in advertising. It's exhausting when, as the creative team, we just want to make cool looking stuff, right? But then mm-hmm. the the suits are like, well, make sure you have three Asians and uh, one black person and some Hispanics. And it's and like, that's not a good picture. The stock photography doesn't give us yeah, the people, that as a good there's, picture. There's never an organic gathering of people yeah. that looks like that. I, can't, I can only imagine right now, because I haven't had to go search the stock photography websites, but my guess is there's not a lot of good stock for co- photography for um, you know, white people because it's moved in this direction, right? It probably doesn't sell very well since everybody, I mean, advertising is a lot of copying people. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been in many, many meetings, many, where some executives will say, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We're going to do what the Zion's Bank did or what the Mormon Church did or whatever. They paid a billion dollars for this thing, and so we're going to copy their campaign. I mean, more than a handful of times, I've heard people say that we're going to copy what these people who spend a lot of money did the, uh, for our advertising. There's a, there's a story that, uh, remember the 2002 Olympics here in the no. great state of Utah? Well, uh, do you remember the slogan? The mountain of the Lord's house, something like that. Do you remember the slogan? All nations float onto it. Yeah, it was a fulfillment of Isaiah, but uh, literal fulfillment. But do you remember? Uh, welcome to Utah, a pretty great state. No. What slogan are we talking about? The the Olympic slogan. Sidious Altius Fortius. Light the fire within. Oh, light the fire within. That was the U- the Utah Olympic Games slogan. And uh, this the old story goes that uh, <clears throat> Mr. Gordon Bowen. And uh, I'll let now, you. Who's Gordon Bowen? I'll let you. I'll let the dear listener figure that one out. <laughs> Come on, you got to tell him. <laughs> well, he's an ad. He's an ad executive. He's the guy that got the church to do the bathtub Jesus logo and the, well, maybe that's wrong, but he got, he got the whole uh, I'm a Mormon thing canceled and the focus on the church thing started. Apparently. He's also a uh, raging pervert. He got the, he's the one that got this whole focus on the name of the church thing started. Yeah, and I do believe he, he and his team came up with the new logo. And he's a, a convicted, like, degenerate. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. And, acu- and accused of much worse things. And so he was convicted? Well, admitted. He's admitted. an admitted, admitted. degenerate. Okay. But he, uh, so Light the Fire Within was the 2002 Olympic Games And he came up with theme. that. And he and his team apparently came up with that. And the story goes, and I've never had the time or uh, inclination to verify it, but the story goes that he ripped that off of a, a menu at a restaurant, <laughs> like a barbecue restaurant or something. Well, like Steve Jobs said, Picasso said, right? <clears throat> right. Great artists steal. Right. And, and there's, some, there's a lot of truth to that, right? 
But there's a difference between taking inspiration from somebody and then just lifting it word well, for the word. Question, that's called plagiarism. Yeah, the que- that's, that's called Harvard alumni. Um, <laughs> the question is whether they're really great artists if they steal. I mean, it's always funny to find out things like the riff to Stairway to Heaven was lifted from a different song, you know? Right. Or, that whole, and that chord, happens that a lot. chord progression. That happens a uh, lot. Surfing USA was <clears throat> uh, basically stolen from Chuck Berry, Sweet 16, and then they had a court battle. and. Yeah, he well, the, the most famous eventually. example is uh, Vanilla Ice and uh, David Bowie. David Bowie, you know, dum 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 dum. That's no, the no, most no. famous example. I think so. <laughs> uh, the what songs did, do did, sound similar. What did Van- Vanilla Ice says? No, David Bowie's goes dum 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 dum, and mine goes dum 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 dum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so clearly that just lifted. It's like, I don't know why you're trying Defending to deny it. Yeah. It's like, just, just but, take it. <clears throat> but people have done remixes or mashups of, of, the two? of the two, and it works. It works pretty good. Under pressure. Stop. Collaborate and listen. Looking down on me. We could do an impromptu one. Let me see if I can find one. Um, but... Uh, don't worry about finding it. What what were you talking about? I don't the remember listeners now. care more about what you were talking about. I don't remember, but Gordon Bowen is what you were talking about. Well, and just, light the fire within. Yeah, well, had, just an example of it. of that of the stealing of that. Um, but I, I don't know. Looking at this, so he gets us. They they've got they're under new management now. They're under, he gets us is under new management. Yeah, they're under new management. Uh, of something called um, Come Near Inc. What do they sell? Because that sounds like, you know, you go to the, the restaurant and it's like, new management, under new management, new well, ownership. Then what they sell is this, 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 this bro Jesus idea. That's yeah, their how, product. Where, where, who pays them for that? Well, that's a good question. A lot of people are asking that. In, in past, you know, the Hobby Lobby uh, owner had donated a lot of money to them. They're under management of this Come Near Inc., which there's not a lot of information about them. Maybe they have an endowment. But the CEO of Come Near Inc., according to the internet, is a guy named something or other who is a former <laughs> uh, restaurant executive. He's a former something, does something in business. His well, name's something or other. I don't and, remember his name, yeah, but he's, he's, a, he's somebody. He's, he's worked in the fast food industry, like an executive at Wendy's and stuff oh, like okay. that. So, or possibly some other industry, like 3D printing. But... But yeah, it's a good. I mean, Super Bowl ads are not cheap, and this one. Oh was, no! I mean, isn't that kind of the pinnacle of advertising? That's yeah. why. That's why it's so significant. Because like, isn't this the most expensive airtime? Pretty but, much. It, it, probably. In the world. Are you going to fact check that? I don't know. No, but let, while you're while you're looking here, uh, we our favorite fact checkers are our comment listeners that comment on our website. Um, Except for Dimitri, you're a Russian. But uh, no, I wanted to give a shout out to some people who have recently commented. TBM, of course, perhaps the most faithful commenter besides I play the radio, tied for most faithful commenter. Dimitri chimed in recently. We had a new commenter in Portholio, (laughs) if that is how you pronounce your name. (laughs) Thank you for commenting. We love you. Uh, Rebe commented a couple of episodes back. If you want to go read that, some lengthy 
comments. Whitaker and Dr. Nick chimed in recently also, and others have chimed in if I didn't list your name. Comment and tell me you want me to say your name on the podcast. And I might, depending on the quality of your comments. Okay, here's the mashup. I like it. But I don't know. I mean, when I think of rap, I mean, Ice Ice Baby's not bad. It's not too offensive. Reminds me of when I was a kid. But uh, isn't the best rap out there really uh, Pet Shop Boys, West End Girls? (laughs) Don't you think? Um I remember I mean, when I was in that's some that's some classy rap right there. When I was in seventh grade or so, someone had written vanilla ice on their like books, their their school folders. Yeah. And I didn't know what that meant. But I wanted to be cool too, so I wrote chocolate ice <laughs> on mine because I okay. thought, well, if vanilla ice is cool, well then chocolate is Okay. <laughs> well, sometimes you're better off dead. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> but interesting, I, interesting. So yeah. I think if we zoom out and 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 kind of look at the big picture, like we try to do sometimes. Oh yeah, this he gets his ad is just another um, example of the cultural revolution that we're experiencing in the United States, particularly, but the West, which can really only be described as a uh, communist or Marxist. Takeover. Well, the message is essentially stand down while we take over your society. Stand down. What would Jesus do? Jesus would stand down. He wouldn't say anything. He would wash, he would participate. He would wash feet and he would wear a mask. And that's what it is. You know, you guys, you guys need to stand down while we destroy everything that he you would find disagree good in better. He would disagree better. He would be a good global citizen. He would be first in line for the literal God sent clot shot. The old prophets came out and did things and said things that made people so mad that they got burnt at the stake. Or, like Isaiah, stuffed in a tree trunk, a hollow tree trunk, and sawn in half. Um, Jesus crucified. Right. That's what happens. Right. I'm not like, saying you should go out and try to get burnt at the stake. No, but... The, but, we, but the truth tellers, that the, it comes to a point where society can't handle the truth so they burn them at the stake. Right. And, if they can't shut And them what up. we're being told by institutions and movements is that we're not supposed to tell the truth. In fact, we're supposed to lie. And and lying to people is actually how we love people. And we affirm them in their lies and we promote their lies and we tell them that they're perfect just the way they are living in their lies. And we all live in lies and lies and and sin, right? We all do. That's why Mm -hmm. the natural man is an enemy to God. And so the whole point of this existence, right, is to is to change and to turn towards him and then continually strive to follow him, right? yeah. Yeah, and that's how you do that. The LDS church is kind of watered that down and call it the covenant path and it doesn't really involve truth anymore it's just do these things 
do these things over and over. Kiss the papal ring and you can attend yeah. the ceremony. The, the talk that I referred to earlier from 50 years ago, Mark E. Peterson, is called Salvation Comes Through the Church. And he literally says, salvation comes through the church. Meaning the like the title of the talk was <laughs> descriptive of the contents of the talk? Right. Oh, okay. But I, and as I read it, I thought, well... Which church? The, Catholic, the Holy Catholic Church? No, the, the no. Pure or, the, you know, orthodoxy means pure, right? The right, the right opinion, the right way, the so, correct way, so... But the, I, I read the talk, and I was the whole time thinking, well, what role does Jesus play in all of this then? If we can just be obedient to the men who run an organization, what's the point of well, that's, they're a not, redeemer? They're trying to tell you that they bring you to Jesus. And that was 50 years ago. Well, Which, ever uh, since the days of Joseph Smith, people have claimed this is the true church. I think the, right. the problem is that, that the anthropologically, if you go back and unwind it, at the time when, when they lived on the frontier, it was like, no, we're forming the, uh, an, uh, an organic organization here that is God's people. That's how they viewed church. And then pretty soon it took on a more um, Catholic, exclusive Catholic type of a bent, which it was in the, somewhere along the line, I think it was the 1300s or something, the Pope declared, nope, it's the Catholic Church, that's the only way you're going to be saved. And it, they made it an official edict, even though it was um, an idea that had been pervasive in the, the organization for a long time. And so we've, I mean, I was brought up to believe we were the only true church. It's, and it's because of Doctrine and Covenants section one, where it said, where God tells the people then, the only uh, true and living church in whom I am well pleased. And, and again, that I may have pointed out before, but that should be taken in the sense that the early saints, the early cohort, uh, companions of Joseph Smith, were formed up in uh, a group, a congregation that God was pleased with that at that time. Mm-hmm. was with, uh, Within a couple of years, the Lord said, this whole church is under condemnation, you know, right. which and, means not well pleased, not true and, and living. as far as I know, I mean, nobody's ever lifted that con- condemnation. Well, who's supposed to lift it? Uh, some prophet or God? I mean, Ezra Taft Benson was right. complaining about it in the 80s that the condemnation was still upon us. Well, the Lord, why did the Lord condemn? The church then. But again, there's institutional church versus ecclesia, the congregation of believers, and that's how they viewed themselves at the time Joseph Smith was around, was a a group of believers. They were doing something. They were were reaching for Zion. They were going to physically create something that was going to become Zion on the frontier. We don't we don't think that way. And it got into our vernacular. No, we're the true church. Well, why? Because well, because we have the priesthood. Well, and then it became sort of a battle of of scriptural uh, snippets like no, you guys lost it. See, it says here you can have an apostasy, and it says here we're the true church. Nobody ever bothered to look at Second Nephi chapter twenty-eight, where it says that in the last days, when the Book of Mormon would come forth, that there would be many claiming to be the true church, and that that would be a sign that they're not the Lord's church. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, that's what it says. Read Second well, Nephi twenty-eight. Right. And didn't the Lord <laughs> condemn the the early LDS Church for? not paying enough attention to the Book of Mormon? Not, Specifically not, chapter 28, yes. Not, not treating I think he it. calls out chapter 28 of Second Nephi by... No, I'm just kidding. There's, in, in have, you ever looked at, have you ever looked at the legal organization of the 
Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Yes, I have. Would you like to lay well, it out for us? Recently, you know, they used to be called the Corporation of the President of the Church of yeah, it's Jesus a, Christ of Latter-day Saints. Whatever it is called, it's technically a corporation soul. Right. They changed the name. They changed the name of that corporation? From the president, the corporation of the president of the church to just the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's still a corporation soul, which means that the president of the corporation, currently Russell Nelson, has sole ownership of everything. But they changed the name of that corporation. Yeah. Why? That's weird. Well, that's a good question. Is it because of the whole focus on the name of the church? Probably. And I think also people were pointing out that there's no such thing as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's just... Oh, and now it, there is. But there's, but it's interesting because Because they, it said the corporation of the president, so that was a PR problem for them, so they had to fix it. Maybe. I get it. I but get it. What's interesting is that... There and when we say they instead of we, it's because it is they. It's only owned right. by the president. Yeah, right. Like, it's like not every little thing, like you, the hymn books in your in your sacrament meeting room. If you take one home, Russell Nelson. If you take one home, you're stealing from him. Right. So but, but that's a what's, problem. What's interesting though is that in the legal, I read the legal language recently, and I'm not an attorney. I'm not a smart person. And in fact, I don't. These Wait, things, roll that back. <laughs> You're not an attorney? No. Okay. So stop asking me to represent you in court. Okay. Well, well I usually delete those comments You're before the show. I am just a mere caveman. <laughs> I don't understand your modern world. Okay. You remember that uh, Saturday Night Live skit? No. Unfrozen caveman lawyer. <laughs> he used to be a caveman. I don't remember But now this. he's a lawyer. Unfrozen caveman lawyer. This is back when Saturday Night Live yeah, it was did, Phil Hartman. did funny things. Phil Hartman. There's one I mean, where that's, he's, that's creative. He's right drinking there. too much on an airplane and the, the, the flight the caveman attendant. Is? Yeah. He's getting a little inebriated on the okay. airplane and he's getting disruptive and the flight attendant cuts him off. And he's like, but I don't, I'm just a caveman. I don't understand these flying machines. I need the drink to help me under, calm down. <laughs> so, so it's all about excuse to behave badly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay. Okay. And to be a bad lawyer. But anyway, um, the legal documentation and maybe we can find this and link to it. Somebody, somebody that's a, a an occasional listener, I think, of the show, and it, who has been going through some church discipline. I can say this because they've published this, right? They've been very public about this. I don't know this person in in you know personally. We've shared some digital correspondence, but he's been quite public about this, so I can say this. And uh, he's been excommunicated recently, and um, he's published some of this stuff and kind of pointed out the difference between the corporation and then what the corporation deems as the spiritual body, which is us. That's the ecclesia. ecclesia the, are we listed on the balance sheet? No. <laughs> so are, we one it, of the, are we one of the assets that they believe <clears throat> they own? Essentially, you have this corporation whose central mission is to preserve the corporation and who also claims sort of uh, stewardship or something management over the spiritual body known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. And I think that's an important thing to distinguish because the two things are definitely different. So the spiritual body is not a legal entity then? Right. 
Right. It's a. It's, it's sort it's of a, not even. It's a, a vague. It, yeah. It's assertion. It's, the, it's us. It's as the to members what that of is. the church. There are no members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints in a legal sense, right? A corporate member is somebody who's, you know, listed on the legal documents, on the right, founding right. documents. Right. We we're just mem. We've just our membership records are just records. They're just sign up sheets, essentially. Well, because there's no what I'm saying, and maybe there's somebody out there who understands this better than I do. Well, I know there is. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a, just cave. a caveman. But what I'm saying is that, like, there's no. You're not actually a member of anything, legally. Right. Well, now, you have no. Uh, yeah, you have no um, legal expectation of getting anything from the church. Right. Right. Or, or you're no. You're. There's just, no contract, is what we're saying. There's no. There's nothing under law here that protects you from anything. Right. So anyway, it's an interesting conversation. You, you give ev- you're giving everything to the church. That's, it's, a, it's a one-way relationship, I think, right. is what we're saying. Well, we actually... That, that's literal. All that you are blessed with and may be blessed with. Right. Your time, <laughs> your talents, and all that you possess. So um, I can, I'm trying to remember why we to the church how, how of Jesus Christ here, but, of Latter Day Saints. But, right, there's, what what I'm getting at is that there's a distinct difference that I think's been lost between like small C church and capital C church. In that Marky e. Peterson talk, mm-hmm. church is always very deliberately capitalized, which wouldn't have come across in his oral delivery, right? But it, in the written word, it's capitalized. In mm-hmm. other words, he's saying, this institution is, the, is your only means for salvation. Now, Dallin H. Oaks, Elder Oaks, reiterated that a couple years ago with, I think, a talk called The Need for a Church, mm-hmm. and basically said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Remember, you brought this up because of One Mighty and Strong. Well, yeah, that's what led me to that talk, because mm-hmm. in that TV show, he says, don't you believe in one mighty and strong. And I thought that's in the doctrine and covenants. It's in our modern scripture. Well, how do you look at that? Bobby? Well, I went back and read, was it DNC 85 that that occurs in? I went and read the whole section and, um, there's a lot of debate in sort of fringe Mormonism because we don't talk about it in, well, there've been a few people, that have claimed to be the one mighty and sure, strong. Sure, sure, yeah. But there's, 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 a, there's a lot of debate about who, who is the one mighty and strong, the Davidic servant. Is it going to be Joseph Smith coming back? Is it Christ? Is it somebody new that's going to be risen up or raised up to mm-hmm. correct the, the church or, or set things in order? What is the actual, are you looking up the actual verse? Oh, I found that. Yeah, uh, it is uh, verse seven, I think. It shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, will send one mighty and strong, holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bowels shall be a fountain of truth to set in order the house of God and to arrange by lot the inheritances of the saints whose names are found and the names of their fathers and of their children enrolled in the book of the law of God. See, in, in Elder Peterson says... I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. Elder Peterson in his talk says, everybody who, 
who quotes one mighty and strong forgets that it's only those who have their names written in the book. And that's the members of the church in good standing. Well, who does he say the one mighty and strong is? He doesn't. He just dismisses it. I could read his quote. You want me to find it? No. Okay. He says, basically, there are some who say that one mighty and strong, that there's one mighty and strong who needs to correct the church. And most of these people go on to claim that they are that person. And I don't know about that claim. There's, there's been some who have made that claim, but I don't think it's very prominent. Um, mostly the conversations around it are, what does this mean? Who is this? Is it literal? Is it, what does it mean? And uh, again, it's a fair topic because it's in the scriptures. It's in the LDS scriptures, the Doctrine and Covenants. There's a few verses in the Doctrine and Covenants that sort of uh, fall into this category, right? Upon my house it shall begin, and, hmm. and, and, and it sparks conversations in debate, and and they're not things that we talk about institutionally. Like when you study the Doctrine and Covenants in the Come Follow Me program, you don't, you kind of just skip, skip over those verses. Well, so I think the one mighty and strong is talking about Christ. Mm-hmm. I think you, you, just, just in that verse alone, I think there's some, there's some uh, language in, Nephi, where he says that that servant is Christ, talking about the one that God will send in the last days. Mm-hmm. And if you don't listen to him, you'll be cut off from among, quote, the people. Right. Which is talking about the higher, the, the more cosmically eternal oriented group of people, not the physical people who have their names on a list here uh, on a legal document in Utah. Um, but I think that just looking at verse seven alone, it says, Holding the scepter of power, clothed with light for a covering, words shall utter words, eternal words. This sounds a lot like the iconography of Christ. Yeah. You know, holding right. the scepter of power. Could it be somebody else, uh, uh, like John the Baptist type forerunner? Well, so if you, if you go back to like Egyptian iconography, you get various gods holding the scepter, mm-hmm. that, that strange looking was scepter. They'll hold the ankh. Mm-hmm. Sometimes women are holding it, you know. Heaven forbid it be a woman, right? <laughs> Just not a liberal woman. <laughs> Did I say um, that out loud? We're just kidding about sounding like we don't like women. But I mean, <clears throat> the, the iconography of the scepter, there, there are some uh, Byzantine Orthodox depictions of Mary holding a scepter mm-hmm. or perhaps a wand even in some cases, that's interesting. But the scepter of power very often is seen in Egyptian iconography. So it would be a godly character. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be like... I, you know, I don't know if we'd say... Like the reincarnation of Joseph Smith. Right. Or the reincarnation of Jesus Christ, or the reincarnation of anybody, to me seems like a non-starter. Let's look at the term reincarnate, to redo the going into the carnal body. I think once you've dispensed with this carnal body, again, back to, I think we talked about it in episode 92, anastasis, resurrection, resurgere in Latin, anastasis in Greek, 
Resurrection is to be lifted up, to be brought out of the carnal, fallen flesh world to a higher level of being. You, you're, gonna, you're not going to want this body back even in a perfect state. You want the higher body, right? That's right. That's, you don't want the fallen body. So you're going to get a better body. You're going to get a body. It's going to be a better body. And so I don't see Jesus coming back in the carnal body. Like, he, he did take up his carnal body again. And we do have this idea of translation, right? The translation of a body. So we know that it's possible to morph this body into something different. But his, his body that he had, that, that he took back up, he, he has, uh, you do things like he came in and out of that upper room, the locked room, without being seen. You know, he could ascend with it. It's not, he, although he still ate fish with it, it's a physical thing, but it's not our physicality, mm-hmm. right? And I think that he, he's been viewed in glory by many in a more glorious form than that. And so we know that he, he's able to transform the state that he's in to the various levels of glory, what it, wherever he's at. So if you've seen him in glory, what you've done is seen him in his heavenly state. So that means you would have had a window into heaven. And a lot of people describe having seen the Lord in that place, like Lehi, who says, you know, I saw the concourses of angels and they were coming down out of the heavens. Joseph Smith said he saw a conduit of light, right? Or a fire, pillar of fire. There's a lot of different ways people would interact with the Lord. But... uh, this sounds like somebody coming out of that state, you know. It doesn't sound like reincarnation. And and I think when when those when when those people come back, it'll be pretty obvious. I don't I don't think you're going to have Joe Blow who says, "Yeah, I'm I'm the reincarnation of um Dr. Phil or um <laughs> Caesar Augustus or whoever." No, it's never it's never Did you ever see did you ever see um defending your life with uh, Meryl Streep and Albert Brooks. You gotta watch right, that. Right. He remember the Past Lives Pavilion. Do you remember <laughs> no, that? You remember know, there's okay. So what happens is is these people are dead, and right. they're they're in the waiting place trying to decide where they're going to go next. And they have all these things they can go eat at restaurants. They can get entertained. Like they're they're wine and dine. They're really well taken care of, but they have to review different episodes in their life and discuss what went wrong or what happened Mm -hmm. and then kind of participate in the decision about where to go next. Right. And so (laughs) depending on how good you were, you also got better treatment. Like you got access to better clubs and better restaurants and stuff. It's kind of funny, but there was this place you could go to look kind of at your past experience called the Past Lives Pavilion. And um, so he, Albert Brooks' character, he walks in there and he sees himself as this aborigine running from a tiger or something. And the person next to him is like George Washington, right. some statesman. Right. <laughs> it's like everybody's important. I love that movie. That's really a good movie. But um, I'm digressing. Well, one thing that sparked my imagination watching that television show was how would the world react to somebody like that showing up 
who was manifesting actual uh, miracles. Well, we already know that. We killed him. Well, right. But or in, we tried, in, in we, the, we crucified in, him. In the modern day... We would crucify him. That's what I, I'm saying. I don't even saying think we, we would, would get to that. that. We would crucify. Well, we, we would first cancel him. Right. Ex, you first excommunicate them. <laughs> then you deplatform them. Right. So you take, you take away their voice in, in their local community. You, you take away their voice online in the larger community. You take away their employment. You, you ostracize them from society. That's what we do. And then you kill them. Right. Which is essentially kind of... Um, what uh, plays out in this show. They don't kill him, you know, spoiler alert, because there's no ending. The Messiah? Yeah. But or they, Messiah? But they, they, you know, you have everybody uh, arguing about who he is and whether or not he's uh, a, a hoaxer or uh, a charlatan, a terrorist, you know. and But he touches the people that he interacts with, and he g- g- gains this following right of people mm-hmm. whose lives are touched and are changed by mm-hmm. him I, again I, I felt really dissatisfied with with it all because it it never had a chance <laughs> to really develop but it got me thinking about these different things mm-hmm. and, and then we're told yesterday to just be quiet and and wash the feet of people we see see they what they're saying is on the surface is you need to wash the feet of people you politically disagree with, essentially. And they didn't, it's funny, they didn't depict a, a guy wearing a MAGA hat being, having his feet washed by like a, a trans activist or something. Well, the trans activist doesn't believe in Jesus. Right, of course. At least the, the stereotypical one that the media has. I'm not saying right. you can't be trans and so, believe in Jesus. Aaron Sherinian doesn't believe in Jesus? I, I didn't say that. I'm not saying that. See, you have to backtrack and clarify everything. But which Jesus does he believe in? That's the question. Well, and that's always the question, right? That's, that was the question that the, they asked him. You know? Well, the, the Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. And the way is the hodos. In Greek, I won't get into what that is. The truth is aletheia. I'll talk about that in a second. The life is zoe, the spark of life, right? Mm-hmm. So the hodos is a specific idea. Again, that's that's getting back to the idea as of Jesus as the psychagogue, the guide of your soul from wherever you're at, getting back to where you need to go. Okay, there's a lot packed into that. But the the Zoe, that's the spark of life, the the power that you need to be self-existent, to go all the way. And uh, it's what is enlightening and enlivening us even here in the fallen world. Go read it. He's enlightening and enlivening the whole creation. We're basically borrowing our energy from him. That's why he can take it back. That's why he was the only one able to um, right the situation and take his life back from from the evil ones and conquer death because he owns this creation. He's the one with rightful dominion over it, given it by his father. And he gave dominion to Adam and it has allowed certain very high level people dominion during this existence. But uh, the devil is always after that dominion. He wants that ownership of this creation and he sucks the life out of us. But uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So aletheia, truth, aletheia, aletheia, not sure exactly how you would pronounce it if you were a Greek at the time of Christ, but 
this is what we call in Greek alpha privative. So the A or the alpha at the start of it means that it negates what comes next, like impossible, unbelievable, right? We do this, we do this in English. So um, lethea means, or lethia, it means forgetfulness or forgetting or illusion, the not reality, right? So truth is non-illusion, not forgetting. This is what this is what Jesus is. This is what he he does for us. Is um, enables us to have the actual reality to know the truth. Right, and not uh, not to today's modern interpretation of you know hashtag my truth. Or, no, uh, in this website, this he gets us website. They use the the phrase, which I'm seeing more and more out there. Uh, people and their lived experiences, as if our lived experiences determine what is objectively true or somehow warp and bend reality to our lived experiences. Right. My, my point, I think, was that in contrast to this, the Savior being the, the master of non-illusion, the, the spirit of truth, he who brings the actual reality, the devil is always given the title father of lies. Mm-hmm. But the devil claims to be the Christ. He claims to be the rightful God of this world. He claims to be the only begotten son of God. Mm-hmm. In the book of Moses, that's what he tells Moses. He screams it at him. Right. I am the only begotten. Right. Uh, Hugh Nibley talks about him being a counterfeit in uh, Treasures in the Heavens, you know similar gifts to the Lord, you know, creating a clever, glittering, earthly imitation. Mm-hmm. So it is possible to, what, this is my point, we're talking about Aaron Sherinian's <clears throat> Jesus, or the Jesus that, uh, that the He Gets Us crowd wants you to uh, um, worship. That's the big question. Is it really Jesus? Because the devil would be happy if you believed any of the false illusions, any of the, any of, sorry, false illusions is the wrong way to say it. It's kind of a double negative. He would be happy if you believed in any illusion, okay? Any of the false reality. Right. He, he doesn't care whether it's Jesus number one, two, three, or, or 97 or whatever, as long as it's not the real Jesus. You can say Jesus. You can, you can, name him this, that, or the other, and, and it may not be the actual Christ, Christos, meaning anointed one, the one who has the actual dominion, the true God of this world. That's why he has the name Jesus Christ, Christos, Meshia in um, Hebrew. Mm-hmm. The point is, <clears throat> it's not a proper name. It means something. It means he's the one who has the actual dominion the real king, the true king. So it's really important for us to have, like Joseph Smith said, a correct understanding of his character, perfections, and attributes. Because anything less than that leads us to, false, to a false reality, to non-salvation, to illusion, to forgetfulness, to death, to destruction. That's, it's, it's really... It's actually quite stark. It's actually quite, it's quite a threatening idea, quite a, a non, 
it's yeah, it's touchy feely. It's like the most divisive good. thing in the history of the world. Yeah, it divides truth from error. <laughs> right, and and Christ is on the record saying multiple times that there'll be people on my right hand and on my left hand, literally dividing people based on their behavior and their discipleship. Well, who they are. <clears throat> whether they're loyal to Satan or loyal to Christ. Right. The, I think God will be merciful, but you can't, you can't just claim, um, I was tricked. You know, the devil made me do it only goes right. so far. For, right. for kids, you know, for little innocent people, it carries some weight. God will be the judge, but it only goes so right. far. And remember the Nuremberg defense. Um, I was just following orders. orders. Doesn't work. That doesn't fly. It didn't no. fly at Nuremberg. Why do you think it's going to fly in this world? Oh, I was just following orders. It was so-and-so that was above me that told me to right. do that. Right. That's the same as the devil made me do it. Right. And the devil might have made you do it, but you still did it. <laughs> right. And there's still consequences. I mean, even Eve, if we, if we take the e, Adam and Eve story, she says, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And God said, okay, well, here's, you still your, pun- have to here's su- your punishment. You have to suffer the consequence of eating right. from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is death. Nowadays, it would be like, oh, well, gosh darn it. You got beguiled, did you? Well, that's okay. He gets us. I get you. Who hasn't been beguiled? Anyway, carry on. Well, in the end, the garden story is being highly symbolic, but it does say, it kind of does say, it's okay, we'll provide a savior for you. Yeah, but... But you've got to, uh, you've got to find that savior. But, That's the problem. It's like... You, yeah, you're going to be mortal, and you're going to have pain and sorrow and disease, yeah. and your kids are going to kill each other, and you will suffer the consequences of your actions. And that's not to say that we should all be miserable all the time. Well, you Only suffer... that it's just more, we're, we're now natural mortal men living in this fallen state. Well, the problem is we're cut off. Right. And that's, the, that's why we need the Savior. And that's why we need his, <coughs> his at-one-ment, the, the at-one-ment, right? We need that uh, functional reconnection with the heavens or reconciliation with the heavens. That's what at-one-ment means, okay? Atonement literally uh, was a word made up for the English translation of the Bible to express an idea of having been disconnected and needing to be reconnected to the living world, to God and the gods. So that's what Jesus does for us. But you, it, it is a surmountable problem. You know, it's, it's okay. You, you partook of the fruit, but we will provide a savior for you. There's, there's mm-hmm. been a savior provided. And um, like it says in Abraham chapter three, there were many others that God, uh, like Abraham, that God said, were his, they were good from before the foundation of the world. And um, there was one like unto the Savior, like unto God. You know, this is Adam. That's a title of Adam. And uh, he's in the image of God. And he said, you know, let us go down. There's space there. We'll make a world whereon these may dwell, and we will prove them herewith and see if they will do all things whatsoever the Lord their God shall command them. Mm-hmm. So, you're right. Our behavior matters, but again, I, I, I cringe a little bit because it's just so common in our society to say, and we know what that correct behavior is. Right. Bobby, you know what you should be doing. You know that's 
you know, here's the list. Here's the here's the white handbook or the the white the missionary handbook or the or the uh, yeah, the scripture I, that I've interpreted that says X Y Z. I saw a tweet today or yesterday. I don't know, and I've seen quite a few like this recently in the in the Mo Twitterverse, the Mormon Twitterverse. This is some. I'm not gonna. I'm it's not the gonna, twit Twitmoverse. <laughs> I'm not going to the Twitmoverse. Um, I'm not going to shout out this guy's handle, but the tweet has a thumbs down emoji, and it says, "quote I disagree with the church on dot dot dot." End of quote. And then he, and then he has a thumbs up emoji. It says, "With my limited knowledge, I don't yet understand how the church's position on blank makes sense, but I sustain the brethren and will patiently wait for the day when it all makes sense." Nuremberg and. <clears throat> yeah, and I think this is relevant because that's not the mission, that's not the charge given to us. When we don't understand something, the Book of Mormon teaches over and over and over to ask God. You know, have you inquired of the Lord? Joseph Smith, any of you lack wisdom, right? He's quoting James. He read James, he went and did that and changed the whole world. Book of Mormon, by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things, not the secret things that the brethren are keeping from you because they need us confused or something. Like this idea is, is I think, dangerous. That it's dangerous to our democracy. <laughs> they have secret knowledge that they don't impart to us, and we just have to blindly trust them. Literally, that's what this person's saying. Just blindly trust these men. And you'll be saved. Like that's that's anti-scriptural. That's well, you can say, but it's also it it, it damns us. Like I, I and I mean that like it stops our own progression, our own spiritual progression. Because well, then and then because then you don't inquire the Lord. You just say, well, the pro- the the prophet hasn't said I should I should uh, be worried about. Uh, transgenderism or Marxism or uh, well, what's this? Or what's whatever. this guy's? What's the guy's reason behind the tweet? It's not to tell you that he disagrees on that point. It's to say, it's to signal his virtue and say, right. I'm with the prophet. I stand right. with the prophet. You know, I oh guys, I know it's he, he may may or may not disagree, but it's a nod to everybody else that disagrees to say it's okay. You've got a friend here, but still, you can be good right. and follow orders, right? And I don't know what sparked the tweet. It's not a reply to any specific tweet, but it's this, there's this. That's, that's common is what we're saying. Yeah. and there's It's very this, common to say that, to hear that, to see it posted. There's a movement in the church right now of, as, as we've alluded to in the past or talked about in the past with sort of your traditional uh, TBM, right? True blue Mormon, true believing Mormons who are saying things like, I don't understand what the church is doing in regards to XYZ. Well, this comes up at all the inflection points, like blacks and the priesthood, or back to polygamy, or right. whatever. When you see these big societal shifts, and the church struggle, the corporate church struggles with where to where to go with the official policy because they have to because they have told everybody that they get to tell them what to think on everything. Right. Then they have to struggle with the policy. If they didn't have an official opinion on stuff like that, or they left it to the local people to try to sort it out, then there wouldn't be this big issue of what what what's the church going to say right and but every time this comes up you're going to get people who uh rationalize the idea that 
following the leadership is better than anything and that if you if they make a mistake the sin is on their head this has already been decided back in the polygamy well, rift I, and, I, the, and, and the blacks and the priesthood stuff and all that i see that a lot on on twitter again cuz it's it's a somewhat useful tool for figuring these things out or figuring out where people are but i see almost word for word on twitter things like <clears throat> i will pay my tithing and after that, it's it's their problem. It's their problem, or they're accountable for how they spend it. You know, when when it comes to like when these financial uh, snafus or scandals come up, that's a, a a thing I see a lot. Like I I did my part. I'm being obedient to the Lord, and I gave my money to them. Look, if God told you to do that, then who am I to even argue with yeah, you? But the right. prob- but the problem is we all know how persuasive, repetitive propaganda is. So if if it was guilt, you know, who's the author of guilt? Okay? Who's the author of of wanting to tie you down to hell because of your guilt? Right. That's But if you're remembering something and feeling guilty because somebody did that to you, that's not necessarily God. Right. And <laughs> Again, yeah, yeah. If if you feel like that's the right thing for you to do to to pay the tithing, that's okay. But I think it's it's it, again, it's a it's a damning idea to say, well, they aren't accountable to any of us, and what they do with that money makes them only accountable to God. And and yes, that's true in, in a sense, but at the same time, don't we hold some responsibility as members to say no more or we we need you to be transparent well, or to, to pose the question, go ahead, finish your thought. Well, I guess and I don't have a definitive answer, right? But but we can't farm out the the morality of the institution and just say, well, they, I well, trust we don't, them. I don't have the information they have, so and they must be doing the look, right thing. Look, we don't, we don't have control over the institution. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. It's whoever right. run, owns it and runs it, they own it and run it. That's the way it is right now. But I'll tell you what you do have control over. You have control over your thoughts, your words, and your deeds. Right. Now, but, I, but, well, sometimes <laughs> thoughts come into people's heads. I get, I get that this that we're we're bombarded by influences. But you have control over what, your focus. Let's say that and your words, and your deeds. And so you get to choose what you do, and you are accountable for every action that you take in the world. So if you feel you're not supposed to, or you feel you are supposed to, you're going to be accountable for that in the the end. I'd also add that the, the corporation, the institution claims control over your spiritual well-being. If you don't pay tithing, you're barred from the temple, and the temple is a place where saving ordinances are administered. And so well, it, they you, can, say, you can just pay tithing enough to get there the first time <laughs> and go through it once. You don't... It, right, but, <laughs> but you see, my, my point here is, is to, just to, to just say, well... My hands are clean because I wrote the check, and it's up to them to to spend it wisely or whatever. That would work if these were actually sort of voluntary, voluntary donations. But they're 
almost coercive in the sense that like, well, I mm-hmm. have to pay or else I can't go to the temple. And, and we mm-hmm. all know that just going once doesn't cut it. You got to go over and over and over and over, right? That's, well, <laughs> that's what we're told. And, and I'm being somewhat hypothetical here or just like it's a thought exercise it, it, yeah. to look at like these, this tweet, like you just have to trust the brother and even though they, they don't make any sense or they're not telling you everything or, or we find out they've been keeping secrets about uh, money or whatever. Or well, they I, never, or they make policy decisions yeah. and then change them a couple of years later without much explanation. We're just, it. it I, again, well, the, I think it's spiritually damning yeah. for our own personal relationship with the Lord to just farm that out and say, "Well, I don't know," but uh, it's like tr- it's, tr- it's what Elder Anderson said the other day when he was like. President Nelson is the most trustworthy man on earth, and even if you weren't, what a great life he's had. Like wh- what? 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 What do you mean? What am I supposed to do with that information? Like, so I just want to jump in here real, real quick on the tithing thing because, um, you know, we've basically been taught that you pay in and you you don't get to have any real say in what is well, done. What is done with that? Slip. I know, but the the implication culturally has always been that somebody higher up than you gets to decide. Right. Okay, and um. My my point here is that the church cares a lot about public opinion, okay? It cares a lot about what you think, especially if you're in the majority. We know this from inside. Of, I don't think it cares a lot about what we think. No, no. It, I said especially if you're in the majority. <laughs> but the, even that. We've been privy to uh, plenty of discussions with various people who've who've been around uh the way this works we know they do a lot of pulling and um we know that they they engage in you know a lot of technology and all the latest and greatest to try and figure out what's going on focus groups focus groups yeah whatever so we know they care a lot about what you think and uh, i think there's a problem in that the more traditional conservative people in the in the church the more i would say stable segment of the church has adopted this idea, well, it, it doesn't matter. We just go along with what the hierarchy says. I don't think that group realizes the, the type of influence they really have, like, like the ants in It's a Bug's mm-hmm. Life or uh, Ants or whatever. It's like, no, if you just, guys, if you were to assert uh, your opinions, maybe the problem is their opinions are, are have been destroyed. Good opinions have been destroyed and they, you know, they need to massively how, how do you change their it? hearts and minds. But if you know you you ought to have some say in that. If you're a local bishop, you should be having say over the tithing. Okay, you should. And the and the fast offerings they they do have some say in that. But they're they're always given these guidelines from on top. Like you should be able to manage that stuff in, in your local community. But in, the way it works now is is tithing donated to a ward is deposited into a giant bank account. Right. It's not the such and such fifth ward bank account. I know. It's the big giant pool and that's that's bad. You you if you're if you have any influence in your ward, you you know, if if we could reach all the listeners of the church right now, we'd totally be excommunicated because you the problem is you can't have all the ants getting the same idea at the same well, time. Like you said. But the idea is there should be more local control. There, there should be more local control, and you, your opinion does matter. It's just that 
if uh, if it's not heard, if it doesn't catch on like a grass fire, then the the orthodoxy will take steps to protect itself. Well, and that's that's the that's the big challenge here. As you say, we should people should assert their opinions, but there's not really a way. There's not a mechanism to do that in a way that doesn't involve getting you know sticking your head up and getting it cut off. Like there's no suggestion box. There's no Q and A. You know, there's no press conferences after conference where reporters can ask questions. There's, you know, the people who have protested, people have protested in the past, right? And it's kind of funny because, for example, like Kate Kelly led these protests out in front of the conference center. She gets excommunicated, but then the church kind of acquiesces to a lot of her demands. (laughs) Like, it's kind of, it's like... Right. It's like... Or John DeLynn. Yeah, and and he but wasn't I don't really think the, a protest. I don't think they'll ever be able to satisfy those folks. Well, no, no, you can't, and so that's why you shouldn't give them anything. Uh, you should stick to the to the gospel, right? As you under, as we understand it. Well, when they're acquiescing to their demands, they're basically saying, "No, it was our idea, or it was God's idea." Right. I mean, like, it, there's no coincidence that Kate Kelly leads her crusade. They excommunicate her, but then. They canceled, eventually canceled priesthood meeting. After, Fairly quickly after that whole thing. Right. At first, then they said, well, we'll televise it. As if it was ever secret. It never was. It was always published. You know, you could always read what was said in sacrament meeting. Well, how, insecure, meeting. how insecure are we when we're, we have well, to cancel, exactly. the men, cancel the men's meeting because it's a men's meeting? And now, now for, they, they canceled that Saturday evening session altogether, but then brought it back. And now it's just another session. It's like really, well, the whole point was that it used to be something unique. And, and the whole idea was that, hey, brethren, men, come gather together in a space for be you. Men. And we will counsel one with another on how to be men. And of course, it, it kind of, there were some really nice priesthood meetings back in the day. And then it sort of became you're not good enough. You don't treat your wives good enough. You need to shave and get a haircut. A struggle session? <laughs> right. But the irony is like the I mean, the changes, a lot of the changes that Kate Kelly wanted, some of them came to pass and yet they still kicked her out. <laughs> yeah. Or she left and now I think she's a lesbian and all this. And her husband was kind of funny during that time period. He was just... Is she still married to the guy? No, no. She left him for a woman. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he was like... I remember this picture where he was wearing like jean shorts and a hat backwards. And he, I was just like, she's married to that? <laughs> he, it was definitely... He was definitely the sort of second fiddle in the in the relationship, but it was just weird. And Mm. that whole thing was bizarre, but the point isn't necessary to poke fun at them specifically, although I've done that, but it was like, you, 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 we try to express our opinions, but then you have people like that tweet that just say, you're not allowed to do that. You just need to obey. Or you have people that do it in a way where they get some kind of audience. Like we've done here with our limited audience. And then you get a cease and desist letter, or this this friend I alluded to earlier, who's been recently excommunicated. 
he was his crime was apostasy for you know for asking questions and for bringing things up and kind of wanting you know answers for some of these things well that's the i mean you got to decide how far you want to take it but i mean i'm just saying that if the people did you know kind of take matters into their own hands it would be uh it would have some sort of an effect it could but we've been trained from the beginning to that that's not what we do right we follow leadership right we we we, we don't we follow keep, orders like the flds say you keep sweet and you uh you keep sweet pray and obey well definitely we've been taught that but let's bring it all back together you go, you, you bring it back to full circle here and so Taylor Swift, <laughs> Taylor Swift and Joe Biden, Joe Biden got married. And then that other guy, <laughs> Joe Biden on his personal account, right after the game, personal Twitter account, posted a picture of him with like laser eyes saying, just like we drew it up. Did they get married in the temple? Who? Taylor Swift and Joe Biden. <laughs> and Taylor and Travis Kelsey. Oh yeah. Him too. They, they did. It was the, uh, it was the Vegas Sphere Temple. Oh. No, but, you know, I was rooting for the 49ers mainly because I did not want a picture of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift hugging after the game. And, of course, that's everywhere. That's now. on ESPN. It's interesting. Travis Kelsey a year ago would probably be considered one of the most likable guys in the NFL. And now he's one of the most loathed. And why? of the reason why is because he took the Pfizer money and sold his soul to the vaccine Mm -hmm. gods. Especially doing it in 2023, 2024, when we know that the vaccine is not safe or effective. And he's on there saying, "I yeah, get the shot, get the clot shot. It's so in your face for an athlete too, to do that. When athletes have been really adversely affected hard by, by this shot. <clears throat> but you, you bring it all together and there is this prevailing idea out there. James Lindsay has talked a lot about it. He's, he's really taken an interest in Utah, by the way. The prevailing idea is that God is just a God of tolerance and God of inclusion and diversity and equity. And if you aren't a person that values those things and is, it doesn't just accept people for who they are, living their lived experiences and their accepted truth and their unique truth, then you are not a disciple of Jesus, that you're a bigot, that you're, you're full of hate. Like the, he gets us people say, you know, how did Jesus, the greatest love story ever told, become associated with hate? And it's like, well, that's because you... Because of lying propagandists? That's because you have decided that it's hateful to, to preach the gospel, the actual gospel, and to tell people the truth. It's never a form of love. In fact, it's abusive to tell people lies. When you love somebody, you tell them truths, even if it's hard. And that doesn't mean you have to be cruel in the way you do it. But it does mean you, it, it, it does mean that there's, there could 
be painful conversations and painful episodes that people go through. I mean, families go through this stuff all the time where you have to have a tough conversation with a child or a spouse or whatever. And if it's done in the spirit of actual love and not this fake rainbow love that is blanketing the world, but done in the spirit of Christ-like love, then the outcomes are usually positive. doesn't mean that you don't go through some hell to get there, right? And that's, the, that's what's being lost in all of this, is that this life is hell. It, it's hell. And the only way out of it is, is Jesus. Jesus. The real, the real one. The, the way. The original Jesus. He's the way out of hell, right? You, yeah. No man cometh unto the Father but through me. He didn't say but through me, and I have special people that get you to me, or but through me, and I'm all about tolerance and uh, inclusivity and just being your bro and putting your arm around you and saying you're great just the way you are. No, he demands change. He demands that we change, that we obey and follow him, and that we make our lives like his as best we can. He, and yes, he is merciful. He knows that we're stupid and we're just, ca- we're just cavemen trying to be lawyers. <laughs> And that's why there's mercy and the atonement. That's why there's grace. But it's, it's not just something that you get to flip the bird to and say, because there's grace, I can do whatever I want, and you're powerless to stop me. Nah, 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 nah. Or, or that you can throw in with a false reality or, or promote, right. a, promote illusion and lies. That's the big problem, right? right. I mean, the, the, we, could, we can certainly treat each other a lot better, but we can't go out and say, um, and yeah, a man can decide that he's a woman. Yeah, that's been a big controversy right now in the state of Utah. There was a school board member who tweeted a photo. Do you know anything about this story? Nope. She put a photo on Facebook, actually, I believe, not Twitter. It was a photo of a image that was public that a high school had put out there on social media mm-hmm. and had members of a basketball team, a girls' basketball team. And this school board member said, captioned, like re- reposted the photo and captioned it, girls' basketball, dot, dot, dot. And of course, people ran with that. And, and so I saw some of the comments. They were pretty bad. Now, there's a person in the photo that looks a little more tomboyish. Okay. Was it a boy or a girl? The implication was that this was a, a, a boy masquerading as a girl playing girls basketball. Mm-hmm. She's not. It was just, it's just a girl. Just a girl. Now, if you want to look, poor kid. Yeah. Or, or what? She she posted dot dot dot. So yeah, the so point was, the, it was it was certainly implied, especially if you know the history of this school board member. She's been a real crusader against transgender athletes in uh-huh. high school and youth sports here. Now, so she blew it. She 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 exerc- she, she showed a real lack of judgment in posting this and. Remember, these are kids, right? It's a kid. It, yes, the p- image is public, but it's still... You, well, the problem is she 
And now the whole... It wasn't a trans kid. No, it wasn't. And so now this school board member, before this blew up, right? This has become a national story. The mm. New York Post and Washington Times, everyone's picked it up or Washington Post or whatever. But before all that happened, the person realized she made a terrible mistake. She deleted the post and she apologized profusely. Oh, before anybody even said anything. The press blew it up and the local, you know, the Democrats and- As and, if she hadn't. And they keep bringing it up. They won't let this die. And they're like, I'm sticking up for this young girl. It's like, no, you're not. Have, they, that, have they crucified the uh, they're lady trying. yet? They're demanding, the, the governor himself is, is admitted, which I think this might break some rules, Spencer Cox has said, I am donating money to her opponent. Oh, really? And it's from him on down, there is a massive demand, Republican and Democrat, a demand for her resignation, for her, her digital and you know, her career crucifixion. And it's this Maoist mm -hmm. struggle sessions. Like, really what she did, her crime is... They're saying she's a bully or whatever. No, her crime was misgendering somebody. And we all know that that's the worst thing anyone can ever do in the world nowadays. You're, you're better off going and punching somebody in the face than you are misgendering them. But she also apologized, and this could have, not, this could have been a non-story, but the press insists on making it into a giant thing, which just keeps this young person in the news more. yeah it's just her parents are out there on the news it's like uh, you're bringing more attention to this did they say that <clears throat> did who say Le that? Are, are the parents getting it or are they like leave our daughter alone no they're they're out there saying this is horrible uh, and, and yeah and it, it's an unfortunate thing right because again we're yeah. talking about a kid and and she got attention that was unwarranted but you also, we, you can't have this conversation without pointing out that this never would have happened if we weren't being told and having it jammed down our throats that we're supposed to uh, accept that men can become women and women can become men. If we knew that just girls were playing girl sports and boys were mm -hmm. playing boys sports, that there wouldn't be this kind of confusion out there. I'm looking for the story here, just checking KSL, and, and, the local communist rag, and, and I find that uh, alternating arms for vaccine doses might increase immunity. Keep going. <laughs> the CDC recently said that the vaccines provide immunity, and it's like, this is so blatantly false. We're in clown world. I, yeah, but it's sad. Anyway, like it's sad that is, they got to bring this the girl but, thing, the, the right, but kids this into is it. The, this is the world that the activists have created. They're the ones saying there's no such thing as gender. Wash they're, my feet while I beat you over the head with a stick is what they're really saying. Exactly. They're the ones saying that men can be women and women can be men and that gender is fluid and that it's awesome to be a transgender. They're the ones making these claims. They're the ones saying that you have to accept this. Well, that comes with some ramifications. It means that there's going to be mistakes like this made. It means that uh, uh, that people are going to push back on the reality. Uh, you know, people with their feet, two feet on the ground, are going to say no. And of course, those people who are saying no are 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 labeled as bigots and haters and and 
Right. Essentially, well, you it, have to kneel down at the feet of this mob, these activist mobsters who are, and you have to wash their feet, not only while they hit you over the head, but while they tell you that being hit over the head is actually not being hit over the head, but actually we're loving you. I'm loving you by beating the blank out of you while you wash my feet. Two plus two is five. There are five lights. Yeah. I saw another tweet recently where someone was literally seriously arguing that two plus two only equals four because it's a social construct and we've decided that that but it could actually be whatever we want it to mm. be and it's just like holy what are we doing here i know and that and it's this 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 we're we're allowing these mobs again christians are basically we're saying we're saying Love one another has become, hey, Babylon, you can just trample us to death. You go ahead and just murder us, and we are okay with that because we love one another. And it's like at some point, you got to stand up for something. you got to stand for truth and righteousness and reality, or else you're going to just get killed. You're just going to get murdered. And this school board member is experiencing this. I, I think what she did was an unfortunate mistake. It, she apologized for it. That's all she can do at that point is apologize. And I don't know if she's reached out to that person privately. It doesn't matter that we know or not. But she made a mistake. And all, but it doesn't mean she needs to be uh, crucified in the public square for it. The crime doesn't fit the punishment. And yet everybody's piling on because. You have Republican and conservative cowards who are afraid to stand up to this mob, and then you have the mob that just does what the mob does. And that's just trample over everything until all that's left behind is a, a tattered, hmm. barren wasteland. So you got cocks blocked, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew which tweet finally triggered it because it means he was seeing what i was writing well, i think what happened is he probably ha he's probably had some assistant or somebody go through and cut out people who say things that are going to make him look bad isn't isn't it possible that somebody else will see your response on one of his twitter threads i mean this is a campaign year so he's got to clean up he's all the, he's, de the he, degenerates yeah. that are that are I, clinging I on there i don't know because he i'm not blocked from his government account his gov cox account and I don't think public officials should have the ability to block people because we should be able to see what elected officials say. Like Angela Dunn blocked me a long time ago. She, From she, her official account? She's, well, she only had the one account, but oh. she was not an elected official. She was appointed. But still, I, I would think that being a pub, member of the public, I should be allowed to see what she writes on Twitter. But yes, Cox on his personal account blocked me, and I, I just I don't know when exactly. I, I realized it the other day, and I just laughed because I'm like, so much for disagreeing better. You know, we'll just cut you off, so I don't have to see excommunicated. What, right, you don't get to yep. see what I what I say. It's like, well, I I can I can just log out and then go to your account if I really want to. <laughs> I just can't badger you. <laughs> but I can do it on your other account until I get blocked there, I guess. And look, and I, I've never been inappropriate or like I, I, I follow the rules of Twitter. I'm not making threats or anything. I just, 
I think you're threatening though. <laughs> Badgering is a good word. What 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 incredible insecurity on the part of these people? Well, people, including myself, have pointed out because Cox released a statement condemning the school board member, you know, taking this high and mighty approach, and I've saved the receipts and have them on my phone. But he, let's remember that Cox also uh, did something pretty abhorrent. He he uh, called a BYU volleyball fan with special needs, a, a racist a-hole on Twitter before he knew any of the facts. And of course, that, that Duke volleyball scandal, Duke BYU volleyball scandal turned out to, to turn up nothing, right? There was no scandal. It's just that uh, a player made a claim and everybody ran with it. And everybody was washing the feet of this volleyball player, right? Kneeling at her feet saying, I'm so sorry. When in fact, nothing happened. And, and this kid was erroneously blamed for saying something racist, which it just didn't happen. And Cox deleted that tweet. He never really apologized for it. Mm. But it's like, hey... We have the screenshots, it's the internet, and I put that screen, screenshot of that tweet in the reply to his sanctimonious statement. It's like, it's like dude, you, 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 you can't condemn somebody for making a mistake when you, uh, you know, you did the same thing. In, in essence, right? You jumped to conclusions, and right. we've all done it. Unfortunately, with social media, we do it often publicly. But, yeah. but it's like you need to just sit this one out, Cox, or maybe offer an olive branch or a, a calming voice. That's what a leader would do: would say, "Hey, let's let's get a hold of ourselves here, and and let's not just let's not just succumb to the mob." Well, we know it's a secret. Com- <clears throat> we know it's a secret combination. We know they're evil. And so I'm not sure how much time we should spend even engaging with them, you know? Right. Well, they, yeah, and the, and the Utah cabal was put into motion real quickly with this. Like, yeah. everybody was just jumping down this woman's throat. Everybody's lining up to stomp Well, that's because it's so important to control news and education. And they have had a stranglehold on it for a long time, and they're, they're losing it because people are getting upset, you know? People are starting to see how far it's gone. Well, and it's just an abject absurdity. What, what, what are a lot of these, you know, moms that are running for school board, what are they opposed to? <clears throat> They're opposed to, number one, smutty crap in schools, which is pretty basic. You would think that that's something that everybody would come around on, but it's not. And the other thing is that they, want, uh, they don't want boys in the, in the private spaces of where, their their, girls. where their daughters are. Yeah. They don't want boys in girls' locker rooms, and out on the playing field. Well, they don't want them breaking their necks or their noses right. in sports, and there's you know? so many examples. Like, while all this was happening, there, you know, out in uh, somewhere, Illinois or somewhere, there's a boy who just broke some women's, girls' track records at the high school level. And it's like, women, y- men can't fix this problem for you. There's plenty of them trying, but you have to do this. You have to do this. And what I think what ultimately the, only, the best way to do it in the sports arena would be for every girl involved. So if there's a track race, all the others don't race. You just don't go out there. You don't line up. 
Or when the gun goes off, all of you just sit there and let this idiot run by himself. Yeah. But so far, that's not happening. Or, you know, with the, what's his name? that Liam, whatever, that became Thomas. The, the, the girl swimmer. These women should have not competed against him. And that's hard to say because I, I work with athletes and they work their whole lives for these moments. And it's hard. It would be really hard to say, I know you've made it here to the national championships. You got to, you don't jump in that pool. And then you'd have to get everybody on board. But it's the only way to stop this is, is for the women to stop going along with it. And that's true of, uh, of men too. Men, we, sh- we need to stop and, and get these people the help that they need instead of just crucifying the people trying to help uh, and get these people the help that they need. Right. <clears throat> well, I've said enough to get canceled by everybody today. <laughs> and you know what I have to say to you people that want to cancel me? Wash my feet. <laughs> After I've been hunting oh, for a week. So, it's so sad that that, just, that whole thing just got drugged right out in the mud. It does, because it was a sacred experience and, and a neat thing that the Savior did. And it was, it was not just, hey, <clears throat> I'm showing you that you need to serve other people. <clears throat> he was, like you said in the beginning, he was, he was deeming these men and, and worthy of following in his footsteps, right? And doing what he did. Now people say, well, no, but Judas was there. And Jesus knew that he would betray him. And he, yeah, he did. Satan fell from the highest levels of the top heavens. I mean. But Judas was still, there was no, there's no predestiny here. Right? We, Judas could have. Yeah. He could have stopped himself. He could have changed. We need the Lord, the spirit of the truth. <clears throat> we need the Lord, the spirit of truth, far more than we ever had. I mean, it is getting, it's tough out there. You know, the arguments being made are really sneaky, really clever. Um, the, to- the total pressure being applied is very effective. Right. It's very, very difficult. And so, you know, for- fortunately, God gets to judge. But, um, but yeah, we need, well, the, we need that, the Lord more than ever. Before God judges, you're going to be judged by a, a, a coalition of, angry mobsters well not only that you're going to suffer the actual consequences right right so the consequences of a society that believes that men can be women and women can be men i mean that that's just uh, it's not just that you won't have kids you will believe anything i think it was jordan peterson that said that it's like you you don't realize how broken your minds are that this is a, a situation that could spontaneously combust at any moment because well, yeah. because it's that bad and you, you there are you, consequences they cloak it in compassion and love and it's like don't fall for it you can be compassionate and you can love people that are struggling obviously but like i said earlier you do that through helping them get treatment for their sicknesses and that includes mental sicknesses and mental illnesses. Well, it includes not, not pr- promoting that, not spreading it around. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't just help the people that have it. You, you don't put the ambulance at the bottom of the hill. You stop. You right. put a fence up at the top. By the way, the, the last time the Chiefs and the 49ers 
played in the Super Bowl was 2020. Really? So this is a rematch from a couple of years ago. And um, the Chiefs won. And then like a few weeks later, COVID. all hell broke loose. I want to I show you this. Uh, is that uh, a bad omen for what happens next? Well, th- let, me, let, me, let me go through something here. We'll end on this, I think. <clears throat> and I haven't, I have not verified these claims yet, but uh, somebody put this out on Twitter. They say, do you believe in coincidences? Okay, 2020, Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl. 2024, Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl. 2020, Lamar Jackson wins MVP. 2024, Lamar Jackson wins MVP. 2020, Ravens win AFC North. Okay, you get the pattern. Twenty twenty four. All they of won these the things. AFC North. Okay, all of these things happened in both twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty four. Right? Texans win win AFC South with ten wins. Chiefs win AFC West. Chargers last in AFC West. Washington last in NFC East with thirteen losses. Panthers last in NFC NFC South. Forty ers win NFC West. Cardinals last in NFC West. Chiefs are the home team. Hold on a second. So does this mean that? It's the WWF or the WWE. This is all scripted, and they just repeated the script. <laughs> 49ers are the number one seed. Billy Ellish won Song of the Year. Chiefs plus 600 preseason odds to win Super Bowl. 49ers beat the Packers in the playoffs. Bruins and Maple Leafs finished top five in East. Avalanche finished second in West. Celtics and Bucks both finished top three in East. Nuggets finished third in West. Number one seed wins college football playoff. Two undefeated teams play in college football playoff. Loser of CFP, college football playoff, lost by three scores. Joel Embiid had surgery to prepare his left hand. Joel Embiid had surgery to prepare his left knee. Panthers fire Ron Rivera after a loss. Commanders fired Ron Rivera after a loss. I thought the Panthers were going to fire him again. Winner of You're Cit- fired again. Winner of Citrus Bowl scores 35 points. Winner of Citrus Bowl scores 35 points. COVID starts in March 2020. COVID part two starts in March, question mark. <laughs> These are some interesting no, coincidences. No, don't let it happen. These are some interesting things, and it does make you wonder what's really going on out there. And I'm not saying that there's a script, right, worth people like checking off the boxes and things like that. But I do think that there is some cosmic order Cycle. out there. and. And the things that happen in the world and the universe are, they're just interesting. Now, some of these are sports, all of these are sports related. And of course, 2024 wasn't that long ago. And when you have a really good team, you're going to still be really good a few years later if you keep that team healthy and together. But those are some interesting parallels if they're accurate. I have not fact-checked all of that stuff. <laughs> some of it, you know, yes, the 49ers and the Chiefs played in the Super Bowl in 2020. And then all hell broke loose. <clears throat> hmm. <laughs> well, the eclipse is coming up. Yeah, and um, uh, riot season. Riot season. Well, they're, they're laying the stage. Summer. They're laying the groundwork to get rid of Biden. There's this report out there that Biden has no idea what's going on, essentially. Really? And so all the people were out in force saying, oh, Joe Biden is a great president. He's wonderful. He's just so smart. It's like, you guys, who are you fooling? You're not even, you don't even believe this. So um, I don't remember what we said in our predictions episode, but uh, 
I hope Gavin Newsom and uh, Michelle Obama are working on their speeches. And Kamala Harris, she tweeted out that she's ready to serve. <laughs> yeah, we know. You can't. You gotta. You gotta look to the future, unburdened by what has been. Okay, let's see. On she the... uses that in every speech she gives. We must look to the future, unburdened by what has been. And there's this. There's this master mix of her repeating that line in different ways. Mm-hmm. Unburdened by what has been. Unburdened by what has been. <laughs> unburdened by what has been and it's just like why do you keep saying that it's not profound okay you you predicted you predicted that biden will serve out his term but not run again kamala will not run gavin newsom will probably run and uh let's see did i say anything about the election cox will be reelected because it's rigged um Chaos in 2024. I don't have any notes here on what I... Let's see. Did I say anything about Biden? What about Trump? I don't know. Anyway, you can go back and listen to our predictions episode if you want. Because, I mean, I know some people want her to be president and other people want her to just go away. Me, I'd just be happy for her to get some new material. Here's the vice president this week at the Reading Area Community College. The point about progress is to have the ability to have a vision and a belief and some faith in what can be unburdened by what has been. Unburdened by what has been. Hey, feels, I don't know, like I've heard that before. I can imagine what can be and be unburdened by what has been. You know, what can be unburdened by what has been, what can be unburdened by what has been, what can be unburdened by what has been, what can be unburdened by what has been. (laughs) All right, enough. I've got five more minutes. Oh, my clown world. This is crazy. I just want everybody out there to know that. Here at the Mind Virus Podcast, we understand what can be unburdened by what has been. All right.